does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. It's like a gorgeous start to this Thursday morning. Kevin Bowen, Jake Query, and Mark Dykton here. Um, this morning, representative of Benedict Matherin's game against Denver. Beautiful start, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, that was a nice night for me. Got a lot of business done and talking to people about the statue. I feel like we've got a really good base and foundation. Honestly, there were moments last night, Jake, where I'm like, well, it's got to be bigger than Peyton's statue. I mean... During that second quarter, right? I almost left at halftime to start erecting it. Th- there was a a time in the fourth where I, I thought to myself, why is he not on the floor? I mean, they put Agreed. him back in with yeah. like 340 to go, but I'm like, he needs to be on the floor for the entire fourth quarter here. I mean, he, yeah. he had 30. And he was... He could flat out shoot. You know, Benedict Matherin, I think, at times gets a little excitable in his entry passes if he's got the ball and the shot is denied on the circle. Yeah, a little, little sloppy there. But, man, he's good, man. He was can shoot. Last night, like the – honestly, it was probably like the ideal result for 95% of Pacers fans. Now, if you care about Max's college fund, it's not. It's exactly – Sam Fritz I, – I, I took Sam Fritz to the game and – he turned around to me and he goes, this is exactly what they need, right? It was fun, exciting. Highly competitive. Great opponent. Stay in the lottery. <laughs> into game moments. And yet, Nikola Jokic finally gets back on the floor and shows why he is the two-time MVP. I thought, I, I obviously Turner got the look there at the end. I felt like Halliburton got some great looks, Jake, all night long. He did. And just was like clanking a few, which is yeah, so unlike him. I, I would agree with that. And then in addition to that, I thought at the end... Same with Buddy Heald. For those that are unfamiliar, last night when Denver was here, the Pacers led by 17 or 19 at the break. Denver chipped away at it, took the lead late. Pacers rallied back. They had a chance to tie it at the horn in kind of a scramble. Miles Turner missed a three. But I thought... In that last play, Kevin, they kind of... And this is what happens with young teams that have good players, but they kind of didn't know exactly who was getting the ball. And it was it's kind of a hot potato, and then Turner was the one that kind of ended up with it. Well, I guess I'll take the shot then. Um, but overall, a good result. But but that, that last play was definitely sloppy. Now, at the same time, it, it felt like yesterday was kind of a redo for Jeff Saturday. Like, hey, you know what? When we introduced that you were going to be the coach, it didn't go so well. So now you're going to meet with the media for the first time, and that a little bit better, right? Not by yeah. Jeff, not from Jeff's standpoint, right? I he didn't have everything else around him. Yeah, I don't know if this is the right term to use, Jake, but I felt like he was a bit shackled on Monday night. I think that's fair, and he definitely didn't have that yesterday. I mean, Jeff Saturday, you you can feel the leadership immediately. Um, the honeymoon period could not be going well. He's the new boyfriend. Everybody loves it. And frankly, inside of that team meeting room, he is such a different energy voice, um, tone, message, frankly, how loud he talks <laughs> based off Frank Reich. Um, and I always find myself, Jake, like a little bit torn on this. Like, 
Is the message getting stale? Has the lot has Frank Reich lost the locker room? I mean, like, how do you like? Aren't these pretty self motivated individuals? They got a whole lot to play for at the NFL level. But you know what? You look at the results. The results would indicate that whatever Frank Reich was instilling or trying to instill was not working. Was right. not working at starts of seasons. Was not working at starts of games this year. And. The fact that you do have such a contrasting leader, I think, is welcome. And I do think NFL players gravitate more towards the Saturday type of leader than the Reich type of leader. You can find examples of people like Frank Reich that certainly have had NFL success, but I think by and large, people respond a little bit better. NFL players respond a little bit better to the Jeff Saturday types. And I thought he, based off the locker room conversations that I had yesterday, I thought not only did they enjoy the intensity, juice, high energy, but a word that Sam Ellinger used that I thought was super, I guess, relevant, but also really interesting. He used the word transparent. We'll play some Jeff Saturday audio here in a bit, Jake. I mean, he literally stood in front of those guys and was like, I get it. This looks weird. This looks really weird. I was shocked as you were. I need to earn your trust, though. He didn't try to BS them. Right. He didn't try to act like, no, 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 I have this title, and I deserve to have this title, and you're going to listen to me, and you're, you're, you're going to, you know, whatever, play for me and all of that. He goes, I've got to earn it, and I think that's the type of approach that you have to have, and I think Saturday just has a really good grasp of being in that seat before, understanding what those guys are probably thinking, and realizing that his resume does not indicate that he should have this You know, job. one thing, I, I got to thinking about this yesterday, Kevin. And by the way, good morning to you folks. My name is Jay Query. That is Kevin Bowen. Mark Dykton here as well. It's Kevin and Query on a good-looking start to a Thursday here on 93.5, 107.5. The fan Scott Agnes going to join us on this morning's show. About an hour and a half from now, we'll talk a little Pacers with Scott. Zach Kiefer will join us at 9 o'clock to talk about the Colts. Kevin, it dawned on me yesterday and this surprised me but but it's just reality you know time flies it dawned on me that a lot of the people not all but a certain percentage of you guys that are inside the Colts facility and and press conferences and everything on the regular were not covering the team when Jeff Saturday played so this might have been, now for you, obviously not the case because we had him on the show every Monday. But, you know, for Zach, for example, I, I'm, I'm guessing for Zach Kiefer, he has not been around Jeff Saturday a lot. And so, you know, then it dawned on me like, oh, wow, like for for some, and I don't mean this is a bad in a bad way at all. There's a point to what I'm about to say. This is your first time really being around or, you know, the first time being exposed to, to Jeff Saturday and just talking to him on the regular Again, not applicable to you, but the thing about him, though, Jeff Saturday is one of those guys that when you talk to him three times, you feel like you've known him forever, and he and he kind of talks to you and addresses you like you've he's known you forever. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's important in going in to that locker room, most of those guys, probably other than ESPN and other than the occasions when he's been back to visit the franchise, probably don't know him well. So that personality about him, that I'm going to use the term warmth, which sounds weird about a football coach, 
But that immediate like feeling of connection to him, I think, is important in this kind of a scenario. Yeah. Because you are picking up mid-season with a new guy that you got to follow, you immediately feel like, hey, you know, I kind of know this guy. There's an Even authenticity to him, Jake, that I think any human being immediately gravitate toward. Yeah, gravitate I would agree with towards. that. Now, the question becomes, will it matter on Sunday? Will it matter for the final eight games? I mean, they're not exactly going in and playing the Bills. No, but I would think the Raiders, and they have, had had far more moments of good football this season than the Colts. Led by 17 points and three games this season. All of their losses are one possession. Like, I think they're more talented, and they've had better stretches than the Colts have, despite having a worse record. And I guess that's kind of the bigger picture question. We'll have Zach Kiefer on at 9 o'clock, Jake, about... How does Jim Irsay evaluate Jeff Saturday? Right. You know, how much can he instill a culture? How much can you feel that culture? Fiery speeches and a two and six record over the final eight games. What what does that mean? And then you have the awkwardness and <laughs> Jeff Saturday explained it yesterday. I just had a chuckle. Jim Irsay has hired a consultant that he has emotional attachment to. That's typically not how businesses operate. That's a really good point. Businesses typically don't have the a consultant. The, the purpose of a consultant is an outside voice that doesn't <laughs> right. have any... The third-party independent arbitrator, right. if you will. And Jim Mersey has hired a guy that on Sunday during the game, he's calling from the, from the owner's box in Foxborough. How do you think that call went? Did you see Ellinger just get sacked again? Uh, no, Jim, I'm actually, ESPN has me on some other games that I need to watch right now. I'll bet it was just more like, listen, I mean, Jeff, you know, the guys just aren't playing. I think we just need like some, we need some new lyrics on the mm-hmm. on the song, man. They're not playing Melon Camp here. We'll play Melon Camp in a couple of weeks. Back like, I feel like he, Ursay would have been subdued in that call, don't you think? Do you buy the, uh, according to Jeff, Jeff said that it was a what the hell is going on comment from Jim Mercer to him about the offensive line. Um, do you buy that the call was simply that and not more of a, I'll give you a call later tonight about something big picture? Boy, that's a good question. I I would think the root of the call may have been simply what the hell is going on the root of the call and then it goes from that you know i yeah i you know and i know it's a little tinfoil hat but i mean it's interesting there are people that i that i have known and been friends with and had a relationship with within our line of work for example kevin for years that is simply a twice a week, three times a week conversation about our own individual careers that never that never delved into like personal where you're going or what you're doing. I mean, JMV and I, JMV and I have been friends for 20 years, right? We were on opposite shows from one another, and yet we would talk like twice a week just to kind of bounce stuff off each other. But I never asked who he had on the air or where his career was designed, nor did he to me. 
it was just so I do think that those conversations can take place without getting into the nuances of like do you want to come work for me and just you know this is my confidant this is the guy that understands what I'm thinking and and maybe Ursay's had that conversation with Saturday many many times and that's why Saturday then was surprised when it, when it went there you know what I mean all of a sudden like do you want to come work for me like, wait yeah. what no, I think that's that's a good point. Uh, a whole lot to unpack yesterday, again, from Jeff Saturday's first like, real press conference as the head football coach of the Colts. Uh, we'll update you injury report-wise, and it sounds like a little bit of a less aggressive head coach when it comes to fourth down. Coming up this Sunday, we'll explain that a little bit later. You know, Going back to last night, Jake, I think maybe the thing I've been most impressed by Benedict Matherin through these first 11 games is how he bounces back. Monday night was not a great night for him against the Pelicans. Struggled. Um, the road trip, I think it was maybe Chicago, he struggled. There's been games this season where the first half, you know, he goes 0 for 4. A couple turnovers. But yet, he does not let that spiral into multiple games or multiple halves. And I think a ton of it has to do with just his confidence. I mean, it's you know borderline cocky. Um, I think you need that to play at the level that he's played at so far in his NBA career. But he just comes in the game, and there's zero hesitation. The first time he touches the ball last night, he's kind of bringing it up. Denver's in a little bit of a chaotic kind of switching mode, and all of a sudden Jokic is on him. Not an ideal matchup for Denver. And he just pulls up, hits the three right in front of you, and that just got it started for him. And then all of a sudden, the neon green light is there, and he gets the Pacers right back into the game. Like, his ability... To just move on to the next night, to the next play, to the next half. That, to me, is really, really impressive. You know, when they drafted him, the only thing that I really knew about Matherin, I mean, other than he played at Arizona, I didn't see a lot of him in college. The one thing I knew is that we got a memo saying that he preferred to be known as Benedict and not Ben. And the more I thought about it, the more it made sense because Ben is in terms of a word, is past tense. And he is not only the future for the Pacers, he might be the present. And when you watch him, Kevin, you are correct in that he's pretty unfazed from one play to the next, but he absolutely knows he's the guy. Yes. I mean, he... he and that's a big deal. Jake. He's like, unflappable. Like he, he just is like, okay... That's a big deal. You've got to want the ball. You've got, and again, it can lead to some possessions where you're like, ooh, you know, he's trying to do too much. You, you brought up some of the entry passes earlier. I mean, there were moments there in the second quarter where he's throwing kind of one-handed left-handers in there to Turner or whoever down low. But his ability to just give this team, they've lacked swagger. They've lacked that He dog. has swagger, absolutely. And, and he's got that. Now, the only thing about him, if I had to nitpick, and that's exactly what this is, the only thing about him that would be of slight, concern's the wrong word. Now, watch what you're going to say here. Is maybe I still have a little bit of like a hangover of watching this happen with Paul George. Paul George spent far too much time complaining to officials. And I, I noticed Matherin starting to do that a little bit. If he would get fouled or he thought he was getting fouled, he was... Hanging on it just a little too long, but who doesn't complain? You're right. I mean, Jokic did it last night. Hey, there was a time last night 
No one complained more than Domas. I I thought last night for certain Buddy Heald was going to be ejected because late in the game they called, I can't remember what the call was, but Rick Carlisle took exception to it. They called a foul, and Carlisle took exception to it. Was that the Carlisle tech? And he got teched, and when they teed up Carlisle, Buddy Heald was protesting the fact that they were about to to tee up Carlisle. And as the official went to put his arms in the tee motion, Buddy Heald reached up and grabbed his arm to prevent him from making the tee. Mm -hmm. I mean, kind of instinctively. You could tell Buddy Heald as soon as he did it was like, whoa, man, like my bad. And like the official just looked at him like, the heck did you just do to me? Yeah, that's a big no-no. But they didn't call him in it. They didn't. I, I think they realized it was almost like an inadvertent contact. But And there was a fan toss last night, right? I know. And people were tweeting at me, acting like that was me being restrained yeah. by Benedict Madden. Well, that's what I thought it was. Sam Fritz said that. He goes, they just kicked Kevin out. Yeah, I didn't appreciate that. I thought I behaved well. Yeah, I, my nephew did want a Benedict Matherin jersey in the gift shop before the game. Let me tell you, Jake. Whew. Not making enough money. They, to be they won a that. lot for that, right? Oof, boy, uh, luckily we uh, better chances of taking your. You should have gone for a game worn jersey. Be like Ben, can I get that real yeah. quick? Run out in the court. Yeah, that probably saved some dollars. I certainly would have been ejected at that point. Luckily, we uh, we found a gold sweatshirt that we liked that was half the price. So, how old's your nephew? A uh, six, just turned six. Oh, I was thinking your nephew was like, uh, yeah, this would be your brother's son, right? Uh, brother-in-law. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. But although my brother just had a baby the other day, Carter, Carter Bowen, he's like three days old, four days old. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's cool. Met him last night. Uh, but I, I thought it was a great atmosphere in there. It like, was good. These first 11 games, Jake, could they have gone any better considering the context? I think people, when you consider the context, like I, I obviously want to throw that out there, but you can, outside of an injury to Duarte and Turner missing a week, I mean, Buddy Heald and Miles Turner both have shown signs of like, we can debate potentially keeping them, and I don't necessarily think that's the best route, potentially Buddy, but they're attractive, I think, to other teams. Matherin, Halliburton, Nemhard's had some winning moments. Isaiah Jackson was great last night. Neesmith got a lot of big minutes last like, night. <laughs> these first 11 games have gone really, really well for the Pacers. As I was watching the Pacers last night, and I sent a tweet of this, and people were like, yeah, dude, you're late to this party. And I'm like, well, I, I mean, I think I've said it on the radio, but maybe not in Twitter form. It, it is fascinating that the team that, in this franchise, or I mean, in this city, heading into the year, there were two franchises. One franchise that we thought for certain was going to be playing at a high level and be exciting and entertaining all year, and the other franchise that was intentionally not going to win games to better their draft stock. And instead, you got one team that's playing really well at a high level. And I, I mean, comparatively speaking, I guess, I, I realize they're five and six, but they'd won two in a row. They were leading yeah. mm-hmm. Denver by 17. You're like, whoa, maybe they... A healthy Denver team. Correct. And then the other franchise that's, I don't care what they say, that's... Maybe the Colts aren't trying to tank, but that's exactly what they're doing. I mean, the season's tanked, right? I was trying to explain to Maddie last night, like, we're going to go watch the two-time, you know, NBA MVP. And, you know, she doesn't have league pass. We, we don't have league pass, so I don't think she's watched a whole lot of Nikola Jokic. She was stunned to see him in person. Um, he is like smooth poetry, Jake. Like, he just almost lulls you to sleep. Totally. Footwork is so good. And I just think he is... Incredibly skilled, not only with like his passing, his touch, all of that, but he—I just feel like he's a play ahead of everybody. He's another one that his demeanor 
is consistently in control. Yes. You know, late in the game, there were there were two or three possessions late in the game last night between the Pacers and Nuggets where you felt really good that the Pacers were going to get a stop. They were down five, let's say, or down three, and you're like, oh, if they can just get a stop here and come down and hit a three. And they would get two or three stops within a possession, but the ball kept bouncing towards Denver, and then eventually like a slot basket would go in, and the guy that was the magnet for the ball on all three plays was Jokic. It just seemed to find where he was, and then in the it, like he, in the end, at the end of the possession, there was a half a millisecond where he was open from eight feet for a, a gimme shot, and he'd hit it. Boom, boom. And I thought Turner had some decent moments on him. I, I thought Turner played fine, to be honest with you. That's what you want to see. I think consistency. Obviously, you can't expect Monday night every night, uh, but I thought Turner had a decent night. I did think there was a pacer that was tanking last night. You thought there was a pacer that was tanking last mm-hmm. night. My nephew loves saying his name. How many minutes did he play? Too many. <laughs> Goga? Gogo is tanking. He stinks. Goga, if he has the right players on the floor with him, can be a contributing player. I, he's never going to be a main mainline player. But a guy that can give you 10 to 12 minutes a night, I, 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 I can he though, Jake? I think he can. He Kevin did sounds have, like he needs Pepto-Bismol when you I just I, And I get it. It was kind of a chaotic moment. You know, Turner gets in foul trouble. Jokic is in foul trouble. All of a sudden, Goga gets thrown in there. And I just... And, I, he, and there's been times that I've probably been more of a Goga supporter than most. But that is one of the questions. And I remember, Jake, either you or I asked Chad Buchanan back in the summer... Because it's a question the Pacers internally will have to ask themselves at some point. Because Goga's not the answer. But if and when you trade Miles Turner, who's your starting center? Right. Is it Isaiah Jackson every night? Isaiah was great last night. But when you go up against some of the bigger guys, you consider the foul trouble Isaiah's had. Can he be that for you every night? Because... If you're looking at the pieces to the puzzle, I think the Pacers need kind of that bigger wing, kind of more the defensive presence to go along with Matherin and Halliburton. If and when you do move Turner, you're obviously going to need a center. And is Isaiah Jackson that guy? Isaiah Jackson's like waffles. You can have waffles for dinner, and it's really good when you do. And waffles basically any time of day are really good. But if you try to eat them for dinner twice a week, you get tired of them pretty quick. Like he's not an every night center guy. He's oh, a. He's now I'm a, hungry for waffles. <laughs> you guys want to go to IHOP after the show? Well, that's pancakes. Well, they gotta have waffles. I waffle House is probably where you would <laughs> like oh, to go for go. waffles. That's I love my guess. Waffle House. I love the vibe in there. Yeah, Waffle House. There's no doubt. Like, there's a guy down at the end of the bar that might be a serial killer. He's got a probably got a mm. Kent cigarette hanging out of his mouth. How you doing? Um, no, for my point mine, being, Isaiah Jackson I, I, is a he is an unbelievable talent. But I don't know that you can go every night with him starting at center. It's like he is, he's better as like the surprise treat. He is like, I think I've made this analogy and it might be really bad. He's like the third down pass rusher. Yes. He's like the nickel corner. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Now you play nickel or you bring the third down pass rusher on the field 70% of the game. So that's That's exactly correct. But if you play him on first and second down, you kind of get exposed. That's exactly correct. Now, Goga last night did have a three. Did you see the three he tried? I look like it was one of those Nerf guns he was trying to shoot up into the uh, section I mean, it was. It was like, what, what just happened? Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Now, speaking of Waffle House, a friend of mine was in a fantasy football league. Loser of the league had to spend 24 hours in Waffle House. I saw, did you see the guy that live tweeted that last year? And you can knock off an hour for every waffle you eat? Yes. Mm-hmm. How many do you, you think you would eat? You know, I, okay. I thought about this because last year there was a guy, I think it was in Georgia somewhere, that like live tweeted his 24. I mean, and it was really funny. I mean, he was like, I am dying here. I think what you would have to do is if you didn't eat for, you know, if you fasted before you went in, what what is a regular order of waffles? Probably maybe three. Two or three, yeah. So if you went in right away and you had four, no syrup because the syrup would make you want to crash. So you eat four of them. So now you've knocked off. You're down to twenty hours that you got to spend in there. And then what I think you do is you just you stay up and fast and whatever else until the very end when you're like six hours from done mm-hmm. and you eat six and go right. home. You're in that final quartile. The upper. That, that's exactly right. The final quartile of the quartiles. That's rare air. Gogo in the was upper in- quartile of winners were in the top quartile of that upper quartile. Mm-hmm. That's rare air. You know, right. Jim, you know, Jim Gogo Arce was would- in rare air last night. Just on the flip side, <laughs> I was ready for him to go to Fort Wayne last night. Jim Arce at Waffle House would also be telling the the server, "I don't know how to make sausage. I don't know what goes <laughs> into sausage." Like, okay, now, sir. If- now, what if he that was... That might have been your best cue up of audio What of if they time? were allocating waffles for different players and they got to the defensive backfield when it was time oh, to well, try to figure I out mean, who got to eat what? <laughs> then then what would happen? Well, let me find that and I'll tell you. Come on. Devontae Adams versus him this weekend is a matchup that I'm looking forward to. Versus Mark? Did I? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> I'm shocked Mark doesn't have this ready to go. Don't worry. It's right here. This one for Mr. Gilmore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, tight end group for the Colts a little banged up. We'll get into that. Jonathan Taylor was back to practice. And like we said earlier, it sounds like um, expect more kicks on fourth down under Jeff Saturday. We'll explain that. Curious your guys' thoughts on the Pacers game last night. They lose. Highly competitive. Uh, frankly, they kind of blew it. I guess they came back and then blew it um, if you want to look at it that way. A lot of ebbs and flows last night over at Gamebridge Fieldhouse, but a great atmosphere. Scott Agnes, 8.30. Zach Kiefer at 9 o'clock. Beautiful start to this Thursday morning. Kevin Aquari right here on 93.5, 107.5. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. F the fan. 
The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Jake, last night the Pacers 122-119. They lose to the Nuggets. Benedict Matherin, 30 points on 10 of 17 shooting. Um, they have shot the ball pretty well from behind the arc this season, Indiana, but Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald, Miles Turner combined to go 5 of 22 from 3 last night. Nikola Jokic battled foul trouble. He came back in the game with 9 minutes to go in the 4th quarter and uh, looked like the MVP. And one of those 3's that you're talking about was Miles Turner at the end of the game. Can't really blame him. I mean, he did a nice job of getting himself open. It was kind of a flurry there right. for the Pacers trying to tie it at the horn. I thought Halliburton had a good look. A better look a little bit earlier Agreed. there in the final minute. But again, important for this Pacers team to get those final minute uh, opportunities and uh, grow from that. The Raptors is up next for Indiana. That'll be Saturday over at Gamebridge. Uh, college basketball last night. It was Drake, 80-48. to That's not the singer, by the way. That's the actual school. 80-48 to over IUPUI. Jags now 0-2. Uh, tonight, it's Radford taking on Kevin's Irish of Notre Dame. 8 o'clock tip. Let's go, Coach Bray. Bethune-Cookman in Indiana at 8.30 tonight. 31 and a half on that line there. Indiana-Bethune-Cookman, if you want to get a little action going. 8.30 Big Ten Network. So, I think some people were not able to watch the other night. Get a chance to see the Hoosiers tonight. Uh, Thursday night football, Falcons and Panthers. Ugh. <laughs> That was good unis. That was good chemistry there. I feel like we're growing. A two and a half is the spread. This is our one. Uh, this, this week's our one year mark, isn't it? Really? Yeah. Going to Waffle House to celebrate. Glad you guys <laughs> pointed that out because I could tell how excited you were to celebrate yeah. one year anniversary. Like I, said, I feel like it's been ten years already. <laughs> yeah, that's another Probably. statement. The gray hair is growing by the minute. Well, uh, Colts yeah, practice yesterday. The first one for Jeff Saturday. Again, Jonathan Taylor back to practice. No Jelani Woods. No Mo, Mo Ali Cox. From an injury standpoint, but really the story from yesterday was Jeff Saturday addressing the team for the first time. Here was Saturday meeting the media and uh, explaining a little bit of who he is. I'm completely comfortable in who I am as a man, bro. I know I can lead men. I know I know the game of football, and I'm passionate about it. I have no fear about are you as qualified as somebody else, bro. I spent 14 years in a locker room. I went to playoffs 12 times. I had... I got five dudes in the Hall of Fame that I play with. You don't think I've seen greatness? You don't think I've seen how people prepare, how they coach, how they GM, how they work? I mean, won Super Bowls, been to two. Like, here's the deal, man. None of us are promised a good job. I may be terrible at this. And after eight games, I'll say, God bless you. I am no good. I may be really good at it. I got no idea. But I dang sure ain't going to back down. I can tell you that. I mean, how do you not like that answer, right? thought yesterday, Jake, he did a wonderful job of like the typical authentic energy you just felt here and that, but then also the end of that clip. I might suck. You know, being honest with himself right. and not trying to, again, kind of BS his players. Now, once he gets to Sunday... He does like the word bro. I know. I always felt like I was like a friend of his, and then I heard it yesterday. I'm like, oh man, he's got a lot of friends. He's got a lot of bros, right? He does. He's got a lot of bros. We can continue that conversation. Getting the Pacers last night over there at Gamebridge Field. That's great atmosphere as they took on the Nuggets. Scott Agnes joins us at 8.30. Uh, we can get into it a little bit later, but it did sound like, based off Mike Chappell's conversation with Frank Reich, that Frank Reich would like to coach again. Um, any sort of avenues for that. Again, a beautiful Thursday morning here in Indianapolis. Kevin Bowen, Jake Quarry, Mark Dykton right here on 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. 
17 minutes before the hour of 8 o'clock on a Thursday. Jake Query, Kevin Bowen, Mark Dykton. Good morning to you. It's the appropriately named Kevin and Query program here on 93.5107.5 The Fan. And um, yesterday was, you know, listen, especially last night, it was a gorgeous night. The weather was great, but you felt like there was like an extra pep in your step. You always want to win the press conference. Isn't that what they say, Kevin? And... You know, I think the thing that probably is befuddling to a lot of people is the dichotomy of the fact of like, hey, the Colts won the press conference with Jeff Saturday. I mean, like he was great. And then it's like, but I don't know. Did they need that like in the middle of the season? Sure. Fine. You know, I think the Colts think that they're still playing to salvage this season. I think everybody else is like, no, it's probably more just to see what you got moving forward. But uh, either way, he said some pretty interesting things. Certainly, a different type of leader. Um, and again, I think the results of the Colts this season would indicate uh, Frank Reich's message was just not resonating to the degree that maybe it once was and, and a tad stale. And I think it's a 180 in terms of personality, energy, all of those things with Jeff Saturday. Obviously, uh, this is the honeymoon period. He's the new boyfriend. Everybody loves him. And once you get to Sunday, uh, those results will you know, impact at some level. Again, I think he's been thrown into quite the uh, awkward and not ideal situation from a coaching standpoint, but that's what he's walking into. Uh, as far as Sunday is concerned, uh, I thought Saturday had an interesting answer on aggression yesterday. And I guess this goes back to maybe Jim Irsay's, um shot at analytics on Monday night, which I thought was indirectly a shot at Frank Reich. Uh, Frank Reich certainly was or was one of the more aggressive coaches when it came to fourth down in the NFL. Uh, the league has kind of trended that way, but Frank, I think, is at um, the more aggressive end of the spectrum. Here was Jeff Saturday on that yesterday. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, listen, I'm an I'm a O-line member. I work awfully hard to get points. I'm going to take points. I'm not, you know, I am not a, I am not a, uh, it's a hard, it's a hard living. You know, it's a hard living in there, man. I love how he does say bro a lot. I kind of thought to myself when he said that, Jake, I feel like offensive linemen want to go for it on fourth and inches. Don't they always kind of look to the sideline and they're always, you know, pointing to go like, hey, we can get this, you know, we can control the line of scrimmage. No, that's a good point. We can get the 10 inches. But I think also there probably is some truth to the fact of like, listen, Jeff Satter is going to have an understanding, and I'm not saying Frank Reich doesn't. But I think Jeff Saturday is probably going to have an understanding of when the players in the trenches have hit that wall on that drive or just like at the point of like, listen, everything's scratching and clawing to get us down to the 17-yard line to go for it on fourth and three and get nothing would be totally deflating for my guys. So let's just get three and reset the table. You know what I mean? Got to like that if you're Chase McLaughlin, right? Yeah, absolutely. I did ask him. You know, I would say if you have Chase McLaughlin on your fantasy team to be uh, ready, but the last time I heard that it was for Naeem Hines. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Uh, be careful what you wish for, I guess, with that. Um, I did ask Jeff yesterday, like, any other staff changes? Because think about it, Jake. I mean, Marcus Brady and Frank Reich are gone. They've only replaced one of the two. So you could, you know, he could hire somebody else if he wanted to. Um, he said no. I did find it interesting and potentially a bit scary um, because I followed up and said, you know, will you be more involved offensive line-wise? And he he said not necessarily. 
He said that he's been working with Chris Strasser in the past as the paid consultant. So, um, again, I don't know wholesale-wise if we're going to see significant offensive line changes. Uh, The fact that Saturday and Strasser have been working together, obviously not to the degree that they're now working together, but that probably isn't the greatest reflection of how your offensive line has played this season. And when he said that, it got my mind thinking, do you remember a few years ago, Frank? I just called you Frank. Sorry, Jake. <laughs> you remember a few years ago? He has the same kind of watch that I do. <laughs> we had that discussion. When they brought in um, Howard Mudd. Yeah. Obviously, Howard Mudd and Jeff Saturday, extremely close. Chris Strasser had a relationship with Howard Mudd. So I do think that, like, Jeff Saturday clearly thinks that Chris Strasser is a decent football coach. I mean, I know that we're... A lot of us are in shock that Chris Strauss are still here, considering how your O-line has played. And Jim Mercer's comments the other night, hey, we got the right personnel there. Okay, then what does that say about your position, coach? Um, but Bernard Ryman at left tackle. We'll see if there are any other changes up front. Uh, but again, it doesn't sound like, and just watching Jeff at practice yesterday, it was much more of a, I just need to make sure I'm, you know, walk into every position group. I'm shaking hands, this sort of thing. It's not like the O line went to the you know left corner that they always go to at the start of practice. It's not like Saturday went right over there and all of a sudden became their new O line coach. When did Quentin Nelson have surgery, Kevin? Uh, or or on what? He had three surgeries in about a nine month period, not leading into this season, but the previous season. Um, I think it was a hip. Was there a pectoral or something in there? I, I was going to say back. I, I know. Okay. I apologize for being a little vague on this. And then I, then the one that we all know is remember him and Carson Wentz, you know, broke their respective foots right. on back-to-back days in training I, camp. I believe feet. Would feet, be right, right. Just their respective feet. Wouldn't that be right? But does that mean they broke both of them? That's a good question. I think if you're talking about the foot of one guy and the foot of another, then that's two foots, which would mean feet. Like I don't know that feet has to be necessarily and that would exclusive be the, to one person. So that's the lower quartile of your body. It's the lower quartile of in the, in the quartile. Actually, <laughs> it's more like the third because you have the the thorax, the abdomen, and the head. So it's like the you have trio. That's rare air. <laughs> that is rare air. But is Quentin Nelson healthy? Um, I think he is healthier than he was entering last season, but I think the general wear and tear from last year, I think, is starting to... The body now four or five years into the NFL is not what the body was year two or three. And, and I, I, the guy that you see it the most with, Jake, is Ryan Kelly. Easily Ryan Kelly. But I think Ryan Kelly and Quentin Nelson, in particular, based off what you're paying them, have not lived up to that well there's no question I, I thought it was interesting yesterday when we had chap mike chapel on and i was asking chapel because this is the one thing that is fascinating to me I, I am convinced there are guys that know football a hell of a lot more than i do i mean i played at eastwood middle school we were undefeated two years in a row mind you and i was an offensive lineman thank you very much um and that's the extent you know i i don't pretend to be jeff saturday i don't pretend to be Rick DeMoling, Ryan Deem, Rick Vinch Hurry. I mean, guys that have been around the game a lot. 
But I think even those guys are a little bit bewildered over what exactly has has been the key ingredient that has been missing from the 2022 Colts. And But I think most can say it's the offensive line. But what broke down on the offensive line? And when I asked Chapel, I think it's every position. It is. It's hard to argue that. I mean, they've they have broken down everywhere, right? But when I asked Chapel, in terms of the offensive line, you have talented guys that we know have played well in the NFL. Braden Smith has had times where he's played really well. Ryan Kelly's had times played really well. Quentin Nelson earned himself a twenty million dollar contract. So there, there are your three staples right there. I realized the most important position of all was the one that, like, they just thought that they were going to be able to go to Perkins and buy it out of one of those crane machines for a buck at left tackle. But when I began asking Chap, what is the one key? I, I said, Chap, where on the offensive line there ha- is there a certain piece that is is there a piston that's misfiring and it's causing the rest of the engine to struggle? And without hesitation, Chapel like almost interrupted me and goes, "Yeah, you're talking about Q." And I'm thinking, well, I I wasn't necessarily going specifically. I, I didn't know. But I found it interesting that Mike Chappell, who is very plugged in and talks to a lot of people, immediately that was his like natural default answer. Almost like, is that the conversation that's taking... I'm not trying to quote that on Chapp, but I'm saying, no, is there to, something going on yeah. with Quentin Nelson? You're on to something. Yes, you are. But I'll reiterate what I just said a few minutes ago, Jake. You look at what Eric Fisher gave you at left tackle versus what you've gotten at left tackle this season. Right. Let's say Eric Fisher was a C last year. You're now getting D minus. Correct. Go over to Nelson. A minus last year, C plus this year. Go to Kelly. B last year, C minus. I'm just throwing out some grades here. Right guard, honestly, might be the biggest drop off from what Chris Reed and Mark Glowinski gave you consistently, particularly in the run game. And now. You know, your right guard, the third different one you've tried this season, just got benched again on Sunday. That's been the biggest drop-off, I'd say, of any of them. So, Nelson obviously has the fanfare, the all-pro, the, you know, greatest offensive lineman since X, all of that. So, he gets more of that, but I think you can go across the line with all of them. And that's why I would disagree with Ursay, who was so adamant last night, or two nights ago, in his conversation with Bob Kravitz and Mike Chappell, that they have the right personnel. I, I, I would... I would disagree. I mean, clearly, you've tried three different left tackles and three different right guards. So, yeah, I think that would indicate a little bit otherwise. 8 o'clock hour coming up here on Kevin and Quarry. We can get back into some of the Pacers conversation. Scott Agnes going to join us at 8.30. Zach Kiefer at 9 o'clock. A kind of an interesting Benedict Mather and Tyrese Halliburton story that I want to touch on a little bit here in the 8 o'clock hour. As well. Very nice start to this Thursday morning. Thank you for tuning in. Kevin Aquari, 93.5175, The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Jake, we were talking a little bit earlier about probably the thing I've been most impressed with in Benedict Mather and through these first 11 games is just how he's bounced back. Within games, from half to half, 
last night would have been Monday he wasn't great, and then boom, he comes in in the second quarter. You're down what? I mean, you're down 10 or 12 there, and he gets you right back into the game, and now you're playing from ahead, you know, really until the fourth quarter. Um, I was reading something on the Ringer yesterday from Kevin O'Connor, who was an NBA writer, and he basically sat down with Tyrese Halliburton and Benedict Matherin together, um, did an interview with them, and threw very similar questions at both of them. Uh, we're hoping to have him on next week. But Halliburton, I thought, had a really interesting answer on how, on uh, on Matherin, saying this. Tyrese goes, Ben's the only guy I've seen watch film with the head coach in the back of the plane. He'll watch all of his. I watch film with our video guys. He goes back there with coach and watches his film after games, good or bad. You know, when I really started to kind of fall in love with Matherin, I would say it shifted from the on-court is obvious. Like, we all can see that. But a lot of it, Jake, has to do with the background of, like, there is just this innate desire to want to be the best. I know the LeBron quote kind of took off in the offseason, and it was, you know, quite the quote. But he literally believes that. And I think you have to have that. You've got to borderline on cocky if you want to be at the level that he's already been at early in his career, and hopefully he'll be at throughout his career. And I thought that was a really interesting anecdote from Tyrese and saying, good or bad, win or lose, it's not saying, hey, you know, uh, insert video coordinator here, will you watch film with me? Or even Ronald Norad, and nothing against Norad, it's Rick Carlisle. Can we watch film in the back of the plane? Right. I just don't think you would get that from a lot of guys, particularly rookies. There are two things about him. Do you remember when Andrew Luck came into the league, to the NFL? There was a stat about Andrew Luck that that kind of gained a lot of steam around the time that he was drafted that was something like on 70% of the drives after Andrew Luck threw an interception, he scored a touchdown. He just yeah, he, uh-huh. he has no memory. He's a goldfish, to use a Ted Lasso phrase. Yep. And Benedict Matherin appears to be that kind of a guy. Like, the night before, the possession before, things didn't go well. It seems to not haunt him. If if I were to pick an area of, not again, not concern, but reality about Benedict Matherin, it would be this. He so far has been an unbelievable player. He's probably in the top three, if not top two, in the rookie of the year race. I, and we're only in the top quartile of the top quartile of the quartile of the right. seasons. But but he his game, he is an unbelievable scorer. He can pull up from three. He has very good body control when he goes to the basket. He can be kind of a circus guy to contort himself towards the basket. So he is a very good scorer. When you look at the elite level top talent players in the NBA, there probably are like more statistical areas where they perform. Like I don't know that Matherin ever is going to be a great rebound, a great facilitator. That's not a knock on him at all, except for to say that he he's to me, he is more Chuck person than Paul George. Like Paul George could do a little of everything, right? I mean, he could he could rebound, he could he was he could play in traffic. He he could do a little of everything. Um, Oladipo, 
Oladipo probably is the same kind of a player as a Matherin, in my opinion. Just a, a flat-out score. Oladipo may be a better defender. I haven't... I don't know that I've watched Matherin enough defensively to be able to say that. Maybe he's a better defender than I'm giving him credit. But he is a wonderful player. There's no doubt. And the two of them in the backcourt together, Kevin, if they can get second contracts out of them, I, they might have something here. I, and they may have some. And I think here. they complement each other really well, skill set wise. I would agree with that. Uh, Personality wise, that's something Halliburton mentioned in that piece. Uh, Wes sent me this email, and I want to toss this your way. Uh, he goes, It sounds a little crazy with all that has gone on, but do you think there's any chance that playing with the young guys for Miles Turner in a completely different culture that he's been in for most of his career reinvigorates his desire to be an indie long term? I, I thought about that during the game last night and and I think the answer to that feels like yes. And you base that off of not necessarily conversations internally or Correct. No, just watching it, just body language, just mm-hmm. watching him in general. I I I feel like this team I think we forget that Miles Turner is still, you know, I, like you think Miles Turner's 32 years old. What is he? 25, 26? Yeah, I think eighth year. And this group, in particular with Halliburton, you know, and when he's out there, Nimhart as well, and Matherin, they play at a faster pace. And I think that before that, the Pacers, when they had, before they had Halliburton, you know, they were playing an offense where when they had both Sabonis and Turner, where they were almost waiting for, in particular, Sabonis to get down, to get posted down low. And so that slowed them into a half-court team. And Brogdon didn't help that cause either. And, and yeah, Brogdon was a dribble-the-ball, you know, 60% of the way through the shot clock guy. And so that forced Turner to be a down-low, on the mo- for the most part, low-block player, which he can be. But I think in his comfort level, Turner is a fast-paced you know, defensively rim protector, but on offense, as much as anything else, a wing-type shooting player. I mean, Kevin Pritchard said at the beginning of the year, flat out, Miles Turner this year needs to shoot the ball and shoot the ball from the outside. And I think this particular group of players more caters to the versatility and the comfort level of the way Miles Turner wants to play than when he was just being asked to predominantly be part of a one-two down low punch. Yeah, to Wes's point, Jake, I think for me it has very little to do with Turner's skill set, Turner's fit, Turner's play on the floor. I think Miles Turner is a really nice piece. I think he helps the Pacers out, certainly. Um, again, the question we had in the opening hour of what does the future at the five position look like? if and when Turner leaves, that's very up in the air. Like Isaiah Jackson a lot. But again, an every night center, probably not. Um, the question for me, Wes, comes more down to, does he want to be here long term? You cannot let, and again, he's in a contract year. He's never hit free agency in his NBA life. He would be a free agent next year. He's obviously had ups and downs here. Uh, the organization has tried to move him. Um, I mean, hell, they gave an offer sheet to DeAndre Ayton just a couple months ago. So there's a lot of, I don't want to act like the relationship, Jake, is like incredibly fractured, but there would have to be a lot of conversations behind the scenes. 
if I were Kevin Pritchard and company before, I would feel comfortable not moving him at the deadline and thinking that he would resign. To your point... Because there's 29 other teams, and all it takes is one. To your point earlier, if they were to move him, they would have to move him for another big, because who do you who do you use then? Yeah, I mean, do you look at it and say, all right, for the final 25 games, we'll throw Isaiah Jackson just into the full... You know, every night... You know, and again, I think Goga stinks, and uh, it just last night is just pissing me off. I guess. Um, <laughs> wow. It just um, Mark, I go Mark home is, last night. Mark is shaking his head. Grief. I go <laughs> home and look at Max and think, well, now we're back at homeschooling. <laughs> I thought Ivy League there for a second, potentially. If you could go to six and five, above five hundred, then all of a sudden Goga comes in and tanks in the third quarter. Uh, you just need thirty, right? Somebody tweeted me and said the Pacers are going to win 46. I said, whoa, whoa, settle down. Take it easy. They could buy the college if they wanted to. But, Jake, that to me is the root of it with Turner is, and again, this is so behind the scenes, and it involves his agent and involves Miles, but for a guy that's never been a free agent, and he's going, there will be teams that will have interest in him without question. You've got to decide come February at the trade deadline, Weigh the best offer out there versus if you think you can re-sign him. And that's a, that's too dangerous of a game for me to play. To your point, though, what would you do You know, at that position moving forward? Obviously, that would then fall on the need list. You are, Turner, you, you would be losing Kevin, something notable if Turner leaves. You are building a team for the future. You're building a long-term rebuild team for the future. That includes having to have somebody that is a big for you. Isaiah Jackson looks absolutely like he's going to be, but you probably need two of them. Isaiah Jackson's going to be one of them. I mean, he, he he's a very gifted player. I'd like to see Tice, the guy with the, he was wearing a beanie last night on the bench. Tice is definitely, he's a blue collar, like bulldog guy for sure. I don't know that he's, I mean, he could be, he could be one of them. But I think that if you are going to flip Turner, you need to do it. You do need to do it probably to get that position back, either as a draft pick where you drafted right. that position or a young player that plays that position. By the way, I mentioned this earlier, and I'm very bothered by this. Um, do you ever go into your phone and like the on the calendar and something pops up and either you had forgotten that you put it in there or you're like, ooh, I'm glad that I put it in there. Oh, sure. To remind uh-huh. yourself. Yeah. Uh, I, here's all I have for 10 o'clock today. Uh, it just, in my phone, it, it just keeps popping up at me and it just says, Mitch. Now, do I know a Mitch that's coming in here? If somebody's listening mm. to this program named Mitch and they have an appointment with me at 10, I'll be here, but I don't recall what that is. Okay, I got three. When I hear Mitch, I think of three things. Well, I've here's got, the, the only thing I could thought think was this. Let me cut you off. Uh, Taylor Tannenbaum's dog's name is Mitch. Oh. And I used to uh, dog sit for Mitch when Taylor would have to go out of town or when something would pop up. But she now, of course, lives in Charlotte with right. her new job, so it's not that. And and I looked to think maybe that a year ago I put in Mitch and it recurred, and that's not the case. I didn't do anything November 10th last year, although today is, by the way, the 47th anniversary of the wrecking of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Uh, that means probably nothing to you two guys, but uh, 47 years ago today, the gales of November came early. But I don't, I don't think that I would put in my phone anything having to do with that around Mitch. Now, what I know Mitch Glansman. I grew well, up with got, Mitch Glansman. I've got Daniels. I've got Mitchapalooza. 
The Mechapalooza. What, what do we got there? Well, uh, is that maybe an old school reference? I do know Mitch Daniels, but and I don't I think thinking, that I have anything with Mitch Daniels. One of I, my early NBA memories was I always enjoyed watching this man in a Warriors uniform, Mitch Richmond. Okay, okay, yeah. Maybe talking about when Kansas State defeated Purdue in the 88 NCAA tournament and Mitch Richmond went nuts and number one seed of Purdue fell. Are we um, on to anything there? What's that? Are we on to anything there? <laughs> Are we helping you out? No, I don't. If The mystery of Mitch is going to drive me crazy. And I won't know probably till about 10, 15 when all of a sudden Stephen Bird downstairs says, "There's uh, Mitch is here to see you. I just don't know which Mitch it would be. What well, is, it'll be a fun surprise. If, <laughs> September 2023. Son of a Mitch. I have no idea what it is. I got two things. Okay. September 2023. If Jeff Saturday wants to be here, he'll be here. Agreed. I don't know what the role will be, but he will be here. The other thing we were kind of chatting about yesterday over at West 56th Street, what's Frank Reich doing next September? Probably trying to figure out who Mitch is that's supposed to meet him. Um, I got a couple ideas. I, you want to hear hear my ideas and then okay. play off that? Offensive coordinator of the Carolina Panthers would be one. That was, that was one I don't I think he's written down. What's that? That was one I had written okay. down. He's got ties to the Charlotte area. Carolina's going to have a top pick. Maybe Carolina hires Jonathan Gannon, D.C. and Philly. Was on the Colts staff with Frank Reich. He's, I don't think... How about uh, offense coordinator in Buffalo? Boy, Ken Dorsey, they're... the guy who threw the tablets, gets the head coaching job. Just like Brian Dable got a head coaching job with the Giants, Ken Dorsey gets a head coaching job this offseason, and Sean McDermott and Frank Reich, good friends. And Frank Reich okay. goes back to Buffalo. That's, I mean, that's a distinct possibility. Um, you think he could be the head coach in Carolina? Or are you thinking just OC? Oh, I think in I think in Carolina, and you know, it's not like. Do you think of them as being stockpiled or locked in on anybody? You know what I mean? I would think. All, yeah, I would think anything's a possibility in Carolina. Right? And if you're the owner, David Tepper, are you thinking we're going to have a top three pick? Let's pair that guy with a offensive mind and. You know, do you groom a C.J. Stroud with Frank Reich, a Bryce Young with Frank Reich? I don't think, for example, um, Maryland is not going to be in need of a coach, right? His yeah. alma mater. Loxley's had a decent year, right? Yeah, and he seems like an, I think he's a nice guy. He seems well liked, and they're, they've played okay. That that would be the other thing I would think is his alma mater. But Mark, correct me if I'm wrong, but. You've been pretty pleased with the offensive coordinator in Chicago, Luke Luke Getzey. Yeah, the last few weeks, yes, he's he's tailored the offense around Justin Fields' strengths. Because I thought that so very good. The Colts had Fields' interest for sure. Mm-hmm. Matt Eberflus, uh, that's one I thought about as well. Yeah, Getzey, I think he might get a call this year, but I feel like if if the keeps climbing, it'll be next year when he starts getting calls. But. Offensive coordinator in Denver, or in uh, excuse me, in Jacksonville. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Good one. That's another one I was Doug thinking Peterson of. action. Somebody just sent me that. That's pretty good. Yeah, again, Mike Chappell, conversation with Frank Reich yesterday, does sound like he wants to coach. I was, you know, part of me thought we'd take a year off. I mean, he's not been a football lifer, but I do think he is a pretty competitive human and doesn't like how that ended and wants one more crack at it. Could Mitch be an acronym for something I have today? 
There's a T in there, though. So it's not like... Knowing your brain, nothing would surprise me. (laughs) Math and comprehensive something, I I, I don't know. This This has been bothering me now for most of, like, yesterday, when I saw it yesterday, and then... It's it's like Christmas. You have that meeting at eleven. Just uh, no, I know. Okay. So from ten to eleven, I've got a me- I'm hanging with Mitch, but I don't know what Mitch it is. I know Mitch Robinson, but he lives in Australia, so it's not him. Parks Frazier will meet the media today. Mm-hmm. That is the thirty year old play caller for the Colts coming up this Sunday. I know we mentioned it a little bit yesterday, Jake. I am totally good with this move. Totally good with it. Now, I do think there are some whispers that Scott Milanovic, the quarterback's coach, was initially offered the play-calling gig, um, maybe had some stipulations on what he wanted, i.e. maybe a different quarterback, uh, and that was not granted. So I do want to throw in that. But in Parks-Frazier, you've got a 30-year-old that is easily the closest staff member with Sam Ellinger. And has been in the Frank. Reich when you offense. say closest, you mean has the best relationship or closest in a? I mean, and I don't mean that to be funny. Uh, the former, but okay. both to your answer. But yeah, he when Ellinger was drafted last year, they had a kind of a all right. Let me teach you the Colts offense. Um, so they've had that relationship, and again, he's been learning Frank Reich's scheme since 2018. Whereas a lot of the offense assistants have not been here that long. And, you know, JV and I were having this conversation yesterday, Jake, and this is very far-fetched. I want to make this very clear. The percentage of this happening is very slim. But with a 30-year-old offensive mind, every NFL owner dreams right now of finding the next Sean McVay. Find the next young, hot offensive mind. Chicago with Luke Getze right now. Or Matt LaFleur a few years ago and his you know rise. Sean McVay, of course. And if I'm Jeff Saturday, and again, maybe I'm thinking way too big picture for Jeff Saturday right now. Maybe he should be thinking a lot more short term. But in the back of my mind, the next head coach, one of the biggest hires that coach will make or the biggest things on the to-do list will be We need to have a coach in place that can develop the next quarterback. And if you look at this and say, all right, Parks Frazier shows me something here the next two months, we've got a monumental quarterback decision to make at the the draft in April. You pair that guy with the quarterback. Again, the chances of this, very slim, but kind of falling in line with how they've operated with the Ellinger move, I'd rather see the young, unknown potential than the Stop gap. We've seen Scott Milanovic. We've seen Nick Foles, etc. That's a good point. I, I I think at this point, Kevin, you know, you know I, to kind of bring both conversations in, in, into one hopper here for the Colts and the Pacers both, you're talking about at this point now, whatever you can do in terms of being young and getting pieces that are going to grow at the same timeline, then I think you're all for it, right? If you have the opportunity, if you if you truly think that Ellinger is a guy that you need to take a hard look at and he could be the guy, or if you have, to your point, somebody that's playing right now, taking snaps in Columbus, Ohio, or Lexington, Kentucky, or Knoxville, Tennessee, or wherever it might be, that is going to be your quarterback of the future, and why not audition as well a young quarterback coach that can be there with them for 15 years? You know, I... 
I've said all along, I this is a probably again bad analogy, I realize, but I'll never forget, not to bring it up, but I mean when when Motman did my heart procedure and he was like, Look, man, I I realize like, you know, I'm pretty young and I said, I'm glad. Are you kidding me? I'd much rather have a guy that, that just did that that I now know is gonna be here for twenty years than somebody that's gonna retire retire in six months. Because I, I'm entering into this new arena now, like as a heart patient, I'd rather have a guy that I know is going to be my guy to coach me through it for twenty for ten years. And it's if you're a young quarterback, yeah, I, I like the fact of having a coach that's going to be on staff that I know is probably going to be here for ten years. So if they've got a young guy like that, that 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 they can find something in him, then cool. Mike asks this, Jeff Saturday, Jim Mercy's Mike Vrabel. I, I, I think I, a lot of people felt that yeah, way, right? I, I've heard that a lot. Again, Mike Vrabel was coaching the NFL and at Ohio State, I want to say for like eight years before he took over, a coordinator at the NFL level. So I, I don't think it's the exact comparison. I I, don't, I understand where you're coming from with that. Um, and yes, it's a vastly different voice than, I mean, hell, Tennessee went from Mike Malarkey to Mike Vrabel. That was a huge 180, very similar to Frank Reich to Jeff Saturday. But I think it'd be a bit of a slap in the face at Mike Vrabel to act like Jeff Saturday's resume. Uh, Taylor Tannenbaum has, has said it is not Mitch. It's not her dog, Mitch. We do have a Mitch on the phone. Really? Oh. She did say, tell Indianapolis that I miss all of them. Oh, Taylor the feelings said that. mutual. We have a Mitch on the phone? Yeah, Someone was asking be, if it was your, be your mystery hot, man. Your heart doctor, but Motman's name is not Mitch. No, that's Ben. Would you like to talk to Mitch? Sure. Mitch, go ahead. Hey, this is Mitch. Uh, I was just calling to make sure we're good for our 11 o'clock uh, <laughs> you're going to take me out on. No, 10 on. o'clock, 10 o'clock, Mitch. it's Mitch. 10 o'clock. It's daylight oh, yeah, savings yeah, time. Yeah, right, 10 o'clock. Yeah, I, it was brunch, wasn't it? <laughs> I don't do brunch. That's the problem. I, this is a total mystery to me, Mitch. You don't have me in your phone, do you, in terms of an appointment today? Clearly not because you had the wrong time. <laughs> well, uh, I just wanted to see if I could get a, get a brunch out of you. <laughs> well, you want to come to our PBR party whenever I do that? Hey, yeah, uh, send me an invite. All right, there we go. Uh, I'll put you down. See, a year from now, all of a sudden in my phone, it'll say Mitch PBR. I'm like, what the hell is this? Evan says Frank Reich is OC in Pittsburgh next year. I think there are a lot of places that people feel he could be the offensive coordinator, right? Can he right? action there? Someone texted me and said the head coach in Denver. Peyton Manning have influence with the new ownership group or no? That's a good... Yeah, Peyton Manning likes him a lot, right? All right, Scott Agnes going to join us here in about five minutes. Let's hit a morning checkdown. The morning checkdown brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Pacers down early, made a spirited comeback led by Benedict Matherin, had a huge lead in the second half. Denver chipped away with at that without Nikola Jokic, and then Jokic came back on the floor in the fourth quarter. They made more winning plays than Indiana last night. They fall 122-119. Here's Rick Carlisle afterwards in the loss. The big difference in the game. They just they got the bonus early, marched to the line a bunch of times, and um, were able to crawl back into it. And uh, and then uh, you know fourth quarter we had a we had a rough shot making quarter, uh, but we had great opportunities. So um, disappointed that uh, that we weren't able to finish the game and win. Um, but I see a lot of good things that we're doing, and we're going to keep working at doing them. Uh, my nephew hated two players for Denver, Denver more than anybody else. Uh, let me guess. Can I guess? Sure. 
Your nephew's six, right? Uh-huh. Uh, your, your nephew did not like Aaron Gordon and Jokic. He hated Jokic. Yeah, Jokic is frustrating because he makes – just when you think plays are breaking down for Denver – He's the guy that's Johnny on the spot, and you're like, oh, you thought you had to stop, and then he, you know, he comes up and makes a play. I'm gonna say and, Jamal Murray was the other yeah, one. Yeah, Jamal Murray's a good. No, guess. he hated a guy who I thought hit some huge shots in the third quarter. Kentavious Caldwell Pope. Yeah, it's a good player. They've yeah. got Denver's got a nice roster. They can stay healthy. They're they're legit Western Conference contender. Uh, Pacers Raptors on Saturday. College basketball last night. It was Drake eighty to forty eight over IEPY. Then Drake immediately went to a Raptors game. Uh, Radford and Notre Dame, 8 o'clock oh, tonight. But then uh, Bethune-Cookman and Indiana at 8.30 this evening. Thursday night football, Falcons-Panthers. We're back to good old Thursday night. Amazon thinking, what the hell? Uh, Falcons, two-and-a-half-point favorite. That's at Carolina. Is it still P.J. Walker? I, think it, I believe so. I think it is, isn't it? Baker like came back for a minute, didn't he? And then I thought then I saw like, Sam whoa. Darnold back to practice. It's just a blank show. Their quarterback room is really Excuse bad. Me? It's a blank show. Next week's Thursday night game will be good though. Titans at Packers. That should be fun. Ooh. The that thing that nice. the thing that makes me sad is that how we're talking right now about the Carolina Panthers is how the morning sports radio program in Phoenix is going to be talking about the Colts when they play oh, yeah. the Steelers. Yeah, you know I, what I mean? They're just like, who, who's quarterbacking them? Is that is it that guy from Texas? I went on a station in Portland yesterday, and they started off the conversation with, what the hell is going on? Yeah. Like, May the weather be cold. Oh, that's dumb. What, what, what are we doing? I was right trying now? to look up the sports radio shows in Phoenix, and the sports radio show in Phoenix is called Arizona Sports Morning. That's, that's boring. Arizona Sports Morning? Wow. Yeah. I mean, Mark, the name of our show is Kevin and Quarry. Uh, it's got a little more imagination <laughs> than Arizona Sports Morning. We could just be indie sports. Yeah, morning, I think that's right? like saying the Patriots' offense was more potent than the Colts' offense. Then they had Sunday. an ad play as I was looking it up. Uh, Jeff Saturday second practice as head coach of the Colts will be later today on the injury report. Yesterday, Jonathan Taylor back to practice. He did practice limited yesterday. The tight end position though banged up this week. They made a practice squad move there. Mo Ali Cox had a boot on the right foot. Jelani Woods did not practice due to a shoulder injury, so that'll be something to monitor. Who's the tight end then? Uh, I think a lot of. I mean, you're Kylan back in Granson, mean, right? Uh, yeah, obviously Granson, but then outside of that, it's probably Mitch, right? Daryl Daniels was the tight end. He's actually been here before. It was the tight end they signed to the practice squad. Um, so, again, that'll be something to monitor. And uh, Jeff Saturday does not sound like a guy that's going to be uber-aggressive on fourth down. You good with that? Where are you on the analytics train? I, th- I feel like it's a polarizing topic. I think you go with – I've always been just a believer in you go with the feel and the flow of the game. The offensive line and the quarterback. I mean, the quarterbacks are always going to tell you they can get it. I like to marry both of them. Can I do that? Game flow and analytics. I, I, that's fair. I, I'm not overly. I'm not an over analytic guy. I think sometimes you got to just go with. So every situation's different, and I think if you rely too much on the numbers, you get in trouble. I just feel like if the green light is in the upper quartile of the upper quartile, you got to go for it. <laughs> okay. Right? Fair enough. In the upper quartile of winners, we're in the top quartile of that upper quartile. Mm -hmm. That's rare air. Checks out. Right? Rare air. Rare air. Uh, Scott Agnes joins us next. Kevin Aquari on a Thursday. 
Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Twenty-eight minutes before the hour of nine o'clock, just an hour and twenty-eight minutes before Mitch gets here, and then we'll know the answer. <laughs> right? I can't believe we ought to call her name Mitch. <laughs> we got one guy named Mitch. Somebody emailed me too, though, and was like, "Hey, I can make it down there by ten if you want." My name is Mitch. If that helps, well, we'll see. Uh, last night at the Fieldhouse, Pacers Nuggets. Denver's got a good roster, and uh, the Pacers played really, really well against them. Leading by, I think it was either 17 or 19 at the half and holding on. Down the stretch, Scott Agnes joins us now from Fieldhouse Files to talk about that and more with um, about the Pacers last night. Scott, I thought personally one of the the only frustrating thing for me last night in that game, the only, was I felt like they shelved Benedict Matherin too mm-hmm. long in the fourth quarter and waited until too late to put him back in. Am I being too critical? No, I don't think so. That was one of the things I wanted to go back and watch. Kind of that the third quarter, which is really key, um, because the one thing I was going to point out, I thought that really was tough for them, was you had Jokic pick up his what fourth foul uh, with you know one minute into that third quarter, fifth foul didn't play the rest of the third quarter, and the Pacers were outscored by what nine points. Yeah, I thought the that was exact opposite that of the second quarter. Critical. Yeah, yeah, he missed so much time. You go back, he didn't play, uh, he barely played 20 minutes in the game. And was still, you look at his final stat line, you wouldn't know it because he ended up scoring like 11 points in the fourth quarter, ended up with 24. I I felt like that was really a a big missed opportunity. But no, at first glance, I would agree, Jake, that the the game Benedict was having, perhaps you, you put him back in there a little bit earlier and let him run. He's not tired out there, and I feel like I don't know. He just he can help you out a little bit more against the zone than Jalen Smith, and I feel like teams are starting to zone the Pacers a little bit more in the fourth quarter. Again, Scott Agnes from Fieldhouse Files with us here on the Payless Slickers Hotline. Um, we were talking a little bit earlier, and I feel like what has impressed me maybe more than any about Benedict Mathern early on, Scott, is how he's bounced back, um, bounced back from sloppy possessions from poor halves and then last night just bouncing back from Monday I, I, I feel like sometimes you see rookies and we saw with du, uh, Duarte last year I mean he can you get into slumps multiple game slumps multiple sure. week slumps and I know we're early we're only 11 games into it but Matherin just bounces back so well no I would have completely agree KB I mean his mindset and the fact I mean I think it's a word that Rick Carlisle's repeated many times, but both for him and Andrew Nemhard is that they're unfazed. I think they have the ultimate confidence in themselves, the know-how in themselves, that that was something we were all, I think, all watching, right? It's, it's, it wasn't even Benedict was awful. He just had a tough night the other night. One for six shooting, didn't quite have it. Other guys did. And so also, to his credit, it's not like he forced it or anything because I think he only took eight shots um, in that one and, and didn't see many of them fall. And this one, though, you could really tell this team needed something because the starters did not have it to start the game. And it ended up being Ben in that second unit. Isaiah, to Jack, Jake's point as well, uh, played very well and helped 
provide that big spark in that second quarter, 18-2 to two to start the second. Then that led to a double-digit lead after trailing very big early. That, Yeah, to your point, I, I think this is exactly what the Pacers saw in Benedict. It's still, though, considering, you know, how young he is and being a rookie, you know, we're all we're used to seeing something else. And so far, he's went against the norms for what we see from young and inexperienced players. Scott, we got a uh, listener send in a question a little bit earlier about Miles Turner and just kind of this new role that he's in. Could it reinvigorate him? Could it all of a sudden open his eyes to maybe being here long term? With how you know Miles and how he's wired, could you see that happening? Because uh, I think you would need a change of heart, maybe based off, um, you know, how he looks at the pending free agency coming up uh and also obviously the pacers would have to decide internally that they would feel confident that they could resign re-sign him um and not just lose him in free agency absolutely first of all it goes both ways there's got to be that mutual agreement for for something that can get done however you look at it from the outside and you see look the pacers they got enough front court players right now too many actually and especially if you want to get isaiah and jalen more minutes, more opportunity, that complicates things a little bit. And Miles, on the other hand, I, I consider his situation. I, I think he's probably curious what it's like playing for a different franchise. He spent all eight seasons here. I think he, he's like Victor Oladipo before him, is interested in, to get to free agency and, and be able to kind of choose his destination and also maximize his, his value is his hope. This will probably be his last big contract. I think, and and so you're looking to do something big there. And then on top of that, he hadn't experienced the playoffs very much lately. So I think he wants – it seems like he's motivated to, to be on a winning team that gets a lot more exposure because to that point, that that reflects well on the team and usually him because he's been frustrated at the end of each season where as he thinks he has good years and you know maybe leads the league in blocks – he's not even top five in votes for defensive player of the year or a consideration for second team, uh, you know, all NBA, those sorts of things um, that, that has bothered him in the past. Um, but what he was able to do earlier this week, two games ago, that was special. And I, that's what I even wrote about. And it wasn't even his point total, his assists, rebounds. It was how he played his demeanor, his assertiveness. And that's what we need to see more of. Scott Agnes is our guest. Fieldhouse Files is where you can read him. He's on the Payless Liquors hotline. Scott Pacers going into last night had won two in a row. They were both, you know, pretty impressive wins, particularly over Miami is a good win. They looked good for 90% of the game against Denver, who's one of the top teams, I think, in the West, and came in at 7-3. and three. Is Indiana ahead of schedule here in terms of these young players coming together and playing pretty formidably, or are the Pacers seeing teams that themselves are using the Pacers on the schedule as a roster or or lineup experimentation evening? Yeah, well, first of all, I think Denver very well could come out of the West. That's yeah, they're really they good. Are. That's what I think fans have to understand. Like that's a contending team you saw last night, it, and I felt bad for fans, and selfishly, I was disappointed. Like when you have a a Hall of Fame level player like Jokic, like LeBron, Giannis, last thing you want to do is see him sit on the bench and be taken out of the game by the officiating and, and things like that. But 
nonetheless, um, I, I would say they're they're slightly ahead and surprised even themselves a little bit. I mean, I know players have talked about having internal expectations, filtering out the outside. You know, it's all all that matters is what's inside the building, that sort of thing. But I'm not sure you could you could have even predicted that a guy like Matherin, for example is coming and in, in having multiple 30-point games in the first 10 games of the season. And, and Nemhard starting two games. They, they've picked up the slack. They've done quite well. The team's relatively healthy. They've averted some trouble. And even with Neesmith missing time, Torte missing time, the fact that they were having a 500 record going into last night uh, was certainly above any kind of expectations. And Scott Agnes with us from Fieldhouse Files. Um, it's kind of daily, or I should say kind of nightly rundowns from each game. A great read over there on Fieldhouse Files. I know a popular question from fans right now, Scott, has been Benedict Matherin into the starting lineup. I, as long as his minutes stay right up there with anybody else on the team, I don't have a huge issue with it. Obviously, the team's getting off to poor starts, so maybe you can try and kind of flip that by putting him in the starting lineup. Uh, but will you just kind of explain Rick Carlisle's answer behind why Matherin is not starting? Yeah, t- 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 he was asked again about it last night, and he kept it short before expanding on it. It was like, well, it's what's best for the team? And I, I think, for, for one, there's a little bit of a belief that players need to earn it a little bit, needs to experience the league a little bit, and and those sorts of things. But I think mostly it comes down to this. One, he can be the featured guy off the bench, and that's really good, really important. He can kind of be that showcase player where he's getting more of the touches. The plays are designed for him, whereas with that starting unit, I don't know, what is he, two or three, four, maybe, behind Hall- Halliburton, Heald, whether it's Dorte or, or um, you know, Miles Turner got the first play call the other night, for example, things like that. Um, I like how he can be that featured guy. And so you also want to keep healed in that starting lineup, especially if you're trying to showcase him and make sure he has good nights as well, by the way. And he's, he's quietly had a really strong start to the season, something like 20 points per game, four threes per game. I mean, I, before every game, opponent, opposing coaches – uh, mention him among the key factors in slowing the Pacers down. So, one, I, I don't think we mentioned him enough. Um, and then, in general, too, I don't mind it. I don't get. Ca- I haven't got caught up in starting lineups too much over the last several years, especially because, to your point, it's about minutes and who finishes games. And the one big difference with with Matherin in that role is just kind of how you see the game evolve. To start the game, you don't know what, what to expect. Maybe what the opposing team does. One advantage here is it allows for him to sit on the bench to start games, be with veterans, be with an assistant coach, and those they can see exactly what kind of defense you know Denver's starting out on. Or are they going to attack Jokic early on? Those sort of things. So when he goes into the game, he generally knows what's expected of him and the team. Scott Agnes is our guest. Scott, you know the in watching. Last night, one of the things I found interesting, Kevin and I were talking about it. I mean, they, they clearly have, in Halliburton and Matherin, two guys that seem to kind of know where the other is on the floor, which I think is important. But let me throw a name at you that that I think they were very high on and people need to probably know his name because I've got a feeling he's going to be here a while and probably never be a star. Am I wrong in saying that about Nimhard and a guy that knows his role but does it very well already and clearly is being acclimated 
towards being almost like in a three-guard lineup. I know that we're in positionless basketball, but it seems to me like things go well when he's on the floor. No, you're exactly right. I mean, I think it was Halliburton was talking the other day at practice. He was like, hey, he was a back. He was a point guard. You guys kind of figured he came in and slotted behind, you know, myself and T.J. McConnell. But he can play the two. He can play the three. You're going to see three guard, three guard lineup set up sets, and we've definitely seen that. And you're right. They they valued him as a first round pick. They really liked how he produced. He was one of the first players they brought they brought in or were trying to at least bring in um, for a pre draft workout, and then some hectic things. Um, playing issues happened, and he ended up coming a few weeks later. But nonetheless, he's very he carries himself very much like Matherin. They have a lot of the same traits and how they don't get too caught up or overly emotional. They're just kind of steady guys out there. On top of that, he can shoot, and he's also more of a pass voice first point guard, which I really like. So, yeah, I, I don't think he's necessarily any kind of all star in the making. But he he could be one of those steady players that is with a team for eight years. Yeah, I think um, you saw the winning plays he made at Gonzaga. Maybe not box mm-hmm. score stuff, but I feel like you've seen even some of that here in the NBA. Scott, last one from me, um, and this is a little bit Turner related in the future of that position. And again, you know, I thought Goga looked like he was tanking there in the third quarter. <laughs> so maybe this is why this question's relevant for me. Do you think internally? They think Isaiah Jackson can be an every night starting center in this league. I think they have to. I mean, they have that. I think so. Yeah, because they've been high on him. Um, you know, they, they like him adding weight in the off season. They like how his development has come along. So hell, I think he's absolutely. what? Is he even twenty one? I mean, he's still so young. No. no, I think he's just twenty still. And so, yeah, like he imagine. I like I was talking with someone last night about like compared him with Trace Jackson Davis just in terms of development where they're at one guy coming out after a year the other you know ended up being in college I think a lot longer than many of us suspected and you know the development and which is better um, that type of thing is really interesting but to your point I think I think absolutely they they really like his, I think Jake has reiterated as well they're they're high on Isaiah his future how he plays a little bit differently how his rim protection is there. There's just other pieces, uh, you know, defending, especially on the perimeter, things like that, that he just needs more experience and doing and to improve upon. Gosh, he's two full years younger than Trace Jackson Davis. <laughs> Crazy, right? That's wild. That right? is, man. <laughs> that wild. is. Um, Wow. Again, Scott Agnes, Fieldhouse Files, the nightly roundups. I really like what you've done with that this year, Scott. It's a great read. And uh, thank you for the Thursday chats each week. Appreciate it. Looking forward to next week. Scott Agnes right there from Fieldhouse Files. Which logo do you prefer, the the old school hand and ball logo or the the last 20-year movement of ball across the middle of the P logo? Uh, Hand and ball. Left-handed or here's a trivia question: Is that a left-handed or a right hand? I think it's right. If I'm looking at it, it's right, left. Is it it's left? It's left because you see the is thumb. The, thumb? Mm-hmm. the artist when they designed it, that, that actually was a tennis ball, I believe. What was Maddie Bowen's favorite pinstripe jersey in the Pacers gift shop last night? Which player from the Reggie Miller era? This would be. This would be. You're your saying your wife. My wife's favorite player of that era. This is of the like. Uh, we'll just say Reggie team, so it was not Reggie. Dale Davis. 
Oh, yes, it is. Jalen Rose. Okay, mm-hmm. that's cool. I got no problem with J- Jalen Rose when he was playing here, by the way, one time at like, it's like I was working at Channel 6 and I get off work one night. And of course, when you work in TV, you know, your your, your day begins at one o'clock in the morning, basically. And I up at 96th in Benford or 69, whatever you want to call it, uh, I, I went to the Meyer at like 1.30 in the morning to grocery shop. And the only two people in Meyer back when it was 24 hours grocery shopping were me and Jalen Rose. Oh, wow. And then Jalen Rose, when Indiana was playing Michigan one year, I said to Jalen Rose in the locker room, I mean, I was covering it for, you know, the, I was in the locker room because I was working for Channel 6. And I said to Jalen Rose, like, hey, Indiana and Michigan play tonight. Like, you want to make a wager? He goes, I'll bet you five bucks. I go, okay. So Indiana wins. I'm like, oh, cool. So I see Jalen Rose, like the next shoot around or whatever. And he goes, oh, man, I owe you five bucks. I go, yeah. And he hands me five $100 bills. Jeez. And I'm like, wait a minute. Here's the problem, though. He's going to want to do double or nothing at some point. <laughs> Clearly, his definition of five bucks and my right. definition of five bucks were different. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You only owe me $5. He said, what is that? What is <laughs> well, you know, I saw you shopping a Meyer and thought we were That's kind right. of on similar scales. <laughs> That's there, right. So. That's right. <laughs> Zach Kiefer. You are listening. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. To Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Dear Mitch, if you're holding this letter, you already know. The house has been boarded up. The windows, the doors, everything. We're at the Comfort Inn, room 112. I love I'm telling you, so for those that are just joining the program. That's the Mitch I'm thinking of. Okay, somewhere in my in my phone, at some point I put in that today at 10 o'clock it just says Mitch. And the only Mitch, the literally the only three, the only Mitches I know, Mitch Glansman, who I grew up with, not him. Uh, Mitch Daniels, I, I certainly don't have any appointments today that I know of with Mitch Daniels. Uh, Mitch Robinson, he lives in Australia, and then Taylor Tannenbaum's dog Mitch that I used to dog sit for. But I asked Taylor, like, did before you moved, did we have something scheduled for today where I was to take your dog? And she said, no, but tell everybody in India I miss them. So I have no idea. Somebody named Mitch is going to be here in an hour, though, just so you guys know. It's a real Mitch-tory. <laughs> it is that. Oh, that was bad, Mark. That was pretty solid, actually. That was weak. Uh, do you guys know the record Tom Brady's going to set this Sunday in, in suiting up? Is it a positive or a negative? I think it's one that you would find very interesting, Jake. It has some recent relevance to something you did. What did you just do? Turned 50? I would say most starts after the age of 40. Where were you recently? Uh, Europe. How about this? Tom Brady will take... will start at quarterback in more countries than any player in NFL history. Can I get the ding? Okay. Would it be four? I'm going to go four. Four countries. So the United States, Tom Brady, Germany, England, 
and I'm going to guess that he played a game in Mexico City. This will be the Germany game coming right, up right. this Sunday. You got to think that those in London are like, wait a minute, we like can't get two teams above 500, and now Munich, first ever game in Germany, this Sunday at 9:30, they get Seahawks and Bucks. I mean, I guess Tampa record-wise isn't great, but it's still Brady. Correct. And the Seahawks are had a really nice start to the year. Meanwhile, in London, they're like, Panthers, Jags, have right. fun. <laughs> uh, Mexico City game next week will be San Francisco and Arizona. That will round out the um, international slate here. Several people, by the way, did point out to me when we were talking, and I know we're up against it. We were talking earlier just about like the, the where the Colts are now nationally. Uh-huh. Uh, Josh said, I was out in Phoenix at a work convention listening to the show. Um, got in my cab. I'm sorry. He said, I was listening to the show. And I anyway, I was in Phoenix. I got in the cab or an Uber, told the Uber driver I was from Indianapolis. And immediately he said, what in the world is going on with the football team there? What a complete blank show. And he's like, keep in mind, he's a, he's a Cardinal fan. Another guy said, I was in Chicago on Monday, wanted to hear what was happening with the Colts and the shakeups. And there were, they were talking about every team in the league but the Colts. That's what the last thing Jim Mercer wants is for the Colts to be faded in national relevance, right. or thought at you know. Now, granted, this manner. move is so out of the box; it's generated so much national conversation. That's probably true. I don't think Robert that Griffin is- the third among those saying, "I want Jeff Saturday to do well because it'll open the door for players in that regard." Oh, like TV, like yeah, for, players for turn people. TV people, right? We need a shakeup at head coach. He said. Well, we played some of the Tony Dungy audio with Dan Patrick yesterday. Uh, Dan Orlovsky also went on Dan Patrick and mentioned that Jeff Saturday had not reached out to him directly about joining the staff in Indy. But if Jeff Saturday got the full-time head coaching gig, Jake, one of the things I'd be fascinated to see would be who would his coaching staff be. Yeah. Be very curious to see if we see any others that have a Saturday resume. Join him, and we'll see if that's the case coming up. Uh, we'll continue this conversation next. Zach Kiefer from The Athletic. Zach Kiefer going to join us here in a few minutes. Something I want to throw at him, Jake, which I'll be totally honest, I'm not expecting a clear answer, but it's a question you have over these final eight games. What does Jeff Saturday have to do for Jim Mercer to say, you are my guy 1,000%? What does he have to do? Well, here's the thing. I don't know. I keep his hands on the steering wheel. Record-wise? I think if they show... I think that Ursay is probably looking for some sort of return to consistency in the offensive line play. That's a unit that can only go up from where they've played, so advantage Saturday in terms of perception. For Sam Ellinger's health, you'd hope that. I want to make very, very, very clear here that this is what I'm about to say is with zero knowledge or insight to back up what I'm about to say. But my feeling is that Jeff Saturday is the interim head coach of the Indianapolis Colts because Jim Irsay has been dying to get Jeff Saturday in the building and he finally had an offer that enticed Saturday enough to leave his job and become an employee of the Colts and that was simply to get his foot in the door. And now his role within the franchise only escalates from here. Do you think 
any of that offer had a verbal promise for 2023? Yes. More than a verbal? Probably, probably, probably some legal a, ways you probably can't go. Probably a handshake agreement or understanding. But I think Ursay probably said, Jeff, it, Jeff, you know, I mean, we just, you know, I want to get the band together, you know. But here's the thing: I don't even think it was that. I think that's when you hear those things from Ursay, that tone, that what I impersonate, that's happy Ursay. I think this was more the all chips in like the the angry ursay the frustrated ursay the at his wits end ursay i think he called jeff saturday and just said jeff man like you know i need you in the building man i need you here and jeff saturday probably said well in in what capacity and he said well what if you filled in for the coach for a while and then we'll just we'll we will come up with the area where i need you I think Jeff Saturday, I'm not saying that Chris Ballard is on his way out. I don't know that. But to me, all signs and stars seem to align that Jeff Saturday is going to have a massively increased role of relevance within the franchise beyond simply being the head coach. Who has Jim Mercer's ear the most in that organization right now? It's now Jeff Saturday and not Chris Ballard. That's how I view it. I, I think that's almost indisputable, don't you? Which is odd when you think about how normal hierarchy in the NFL works and just how the the organizational tree works. Usually it's the GM above the head coach. I think it's the reverse in this case. And, and it also is interesting, and Ursay made this very clear on Monday night, there were no other candidates. This was not Jim Ursay saying there, yeah, it'll either be Bubba Ventrone or Jeff Saturday. It'll either be John Fox or Jeff Saturday as my interim. This is Jeff Saturday or Frank Reich is still here. Kevin, how many coaches has Chris Ballard, as since Chris Ballard became the general manager of the Indianapolis Colts, how many coaches as the head coach has he watched on the field? Three? This will be the third, is that right? Like coach a game? Yes. So McDaniel head, how many count. head coaches? Yeah, that's Chuck, Frank, and Saturday. Okay. Of those three, how many did Chris Ballard hire? Yeah, none. Right. Yeah. Now, obviously, the McDaniels one, he did hire. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's interesting. And and Jeff Saturday is there because Jeff Saturday is the link to a unit that Jim Ursay craves to see play at that level again in offensive line. And so he goes out and gets Jim Ursay or he goes out and gets Jeff Saturday to come in partially to repair the offensive line or give influence to them. And that is the one area above all others that Chris Ballard claimed that he could fix. But again, I think Ursay likes the personnel, which means he would agree with how Ballard's operated there. Obviously, we'll see how that plays out. All right, let's head to the Payless Liquors Hotline. Zach Kiefer from The Athletic joins us. Zach, um, I want to begin here. The locker room yesterday, your general reaction to how players um, viewed the Frank Reich news and then how they view the initial Jeff Saturday team meeting. Yeah, they didn't shy away from sharing their frustrations about the Frank Reich hiring, firing. Excuse me. Um, they were gutted. 
I mean, these guys were gutted. I don't think I've ever heard Quentin Nelson be this forthcoming. I mean, he kind of blamed himself. You know, he nearly got emotional. I mean, these guys, they love Frank. I think that was pretty obvious. Frank's a great human being. It's easy to see why these guys had an affinity for him. And they also didn't shy away from sharing their utter disbelief and shock that Jeff Saturday was named interim coach. And I'm, and I'm glad they didn't because the shock that we all felt, they all felt. And they found out the same way we did, with buzzes on their phones and Sam Ellinger was in the weight room. And Isaiah Rogers was playing Madden at home when his phone started to blow up. That's how he found out just how they was going to be the new coach. So um, they were stunned. I mean, there's, there's no precedent for this. And I think they're, uh, it seems like they started to settle in yesterday. You know, just Saturday, he signed on Monday night. And I thought he signed yesterday in the press conference. And if Jim Mercer got anything right, in my opinion, it's that just Saturday has something to him. We can see that. You can feel that when you're around him. Now, the coaching stuff is a completely different animal. But I think he won them over with that team meeting yesterday. Zach, I thought there was an interesting word Sam Ellinger used yesterday in describing Saturday. We heard, you know, high energy, high energy, intense, juice, all of that. That's obvious. Like we felt that. You even felt that Monday night when Saturday spoke. You obviously felt it Wednesday uh, when he talked with us. So I think that is obvious. He's he's kind of a one eighty from Frank Reich in that. I thought a key word that any interim head coach needs to make sure players feel the word Ellinger used was transparent. In that Saturday, I think has a really good grasp right now of being like guys. I get how this looks. <laughs> this looks mm-hmm. weird. Like my resume does not mean this. But you know, can you just trust me and give me the opportunity to earn your trust? I guess is the better way to put it. I thought Saturday with us, and I think in that locker room, um, in that team meeting, it seems like he got that across to players of like, I understand. I've been in your shoes before. I'm gonna try and earn that. Yeah, that, that's the right approach. There's a lot of humility that he walked in with. And he could have walked in and said, you guys are terrible. This is all broken. That's why I'm here. And he didn't. And and, and the other part of that, KB, is like the coaches. Like he was, he was elevated to this role without the proper credentials when a lot of these guys were probably initially ticked off that they didn't get the opportunity. Gus Bradley, Scott Milanovic for the play calling duties, um, you know, uh, Bubba Ventrone, who I thought was going to be the interim. I mean, John Fox, like this was out of nowhere. And so I think he has the ability to bridge that, to really smooth that over. And in terms of accountability, this is, this is something I, I saw last night and I wish I could remember the Twitter handle that, that threw this out there, but what is the other coach Jim Mercy has been chasing for a long time in terms of he really envies the way this coach does things. It's Mike Vrabel in Tennessee. And so this Twitter threw out to me like, this is sort of like his Mike Vrabel. Now, just that he doesn't have the coaching qualifications, but he's a guy that's going to walk in with a pedigree as a former player that's going to mean something, and he's going to hold these guys accountable. And I think in some small way, that's relevant here. Zach, is Chris Ballard with the Indianapolis Colts one year from today? I think so. I think so. I'm not putting a whole lot of stock in Jim Mercer's answer Monday night because two weeks ago he said Frank Reich was safe. I think so. I think he really does like Chris. Now, there are some things that have been indefensible, especially on the offensive line. Um, but I think a full rebuild is not what something is not something Jim Mercer is looking to do right now. And the other thing is, the other thing is, 
if you're a GM candidate out there, if you're a head coaching candidate out there, and they will interview several come January, do you want to come to this? This team used to be pretty appealing, right? They, they won pretty consistently. It was a well-run organization. The owners stayed out of the way. That is not the case right now. The last three major decisions have been made by the guy at the top, and that has to play into the minds of general manager candidates. So um, I, I would tend to think that Chris Ballard is here, but it, a lot depends on how the next eight games go. Do you think that schematically, and maybe this takes a couple of weeks, I can't imagine it being the case right away, but... Will Jeff Saturday bring schematically any sort of a different look to the Colts, or does he basically just kind of go under the the same playbook outlook of keeping his hands on the wheel? Yeah, that's that's something I'm curious too about Jake. And, and let's like let's be honest, like this is wild. They're going to have their third different offensive coordinator in three weeks. Like this is a team in disarray. Like their third different offensive coordinator in three weeks. And Jeff Saturday made it very clear yesterday. This is, this is almost ridiculous. Like Marcus Brady and Frank Reich did the lion's share of offensive game planning and they're both gone. They're both fired. And so you turn to Park Frazier, a 30 year old who was a quality control coach two years ago and Frank Reich's assistant four years ago. So I imagine that Scott Milanovic and Park Frazier are going to handle the majority of the offensive game planning and then obviously Parks will call the plays on Sunday. I don't think Jeff Saturday oversteps his bounds in that regard. I don't think he's going to be changing the scheme. Um, he'll have his say, but I almost feel like he's more here to be like a CEO, like mm-hmm. an overseer, like a president of the team, if for lack of a better phrase. I don't, I don't know if he's going to get into the nitty-gritty X's and O's, but that might come in time. Yeah, I think that's well said. Part of me does laugh, though, imagining Jeff Saturday like popping on Hebron Christian Academy film and being like, you know, I think we should install some of the wing tee that we were running there against you know, Lawrence Central on homecoming. It didn't work very well. I mean, three and seven is last. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, the record there wasn't uh, wasn't great. Um, Zach, you're extremely again. Zach Keeper from the Athletic is with us. Um, you're really plugged in um, inside of that building. Uh, can you kind of? Take us behind the scenes a little bit to how people reacted to uh, Jim Mercy on Monday night. Yeah, it was not good. Not good. I got I got a lot of messages, and they reacted, honestly, like a lot of your listeners probably reacted. It wasn't a good moment for the Colts. Now, Jeff Saturday was awesome. Like, he's got something. I, I want to make that clear. Like, he's a dude. Like, he's for real. He's authentic. And I think the players will buy into him. But this is still an unprecedented coaching situation that he's walking into, and through no fault of his own. Um, I, I thought it wasn't a great night for Jim Mercer. I thought you saw his impatience. He took some shots at the media. I thought you saw his ego. You know, when we asked several times why it's Jeff Saturday and not some of the other qualified candidates on your staff, and you guys just mentioned this, this is the craziest part in all of this. There was no plan B. It was either Jeff Saturday comes in as the interim or Frank Reich is still coaching this team right now, which is just crazy to me. And there was no real answer from Jim Mercy on why it was Jeff Saturday besides I like him. And I've been around this for 50 years, and sometimes you just know. So I don't think that's good enough. That's not good enough to win in this league. Uh, Jim Mercy has a track record, but, but just the way this all came together, he calls him during the game and asks about the offensive line because he's angry that they're getting destroyed in Foxborough. And six, seven, eight hours later, he calls him and says, do you want to come coach this team? Like, Jeff Saturday was getting ready for a full day of TV at ESPN. 
and instead he's coaching a team on Sunday that he didn't know all the coaches on Monday night when he got here. So it's hard for me to wrap my head around just how bizarre this was, but inside the building, they're reacting the same way everybody else did in terms of that was not a good look, this is crazy, and what are we doing? Is Jim Mercer too impulsive? Yeah, I would think so. I would think so. And this is, you know, Jake, you know this, like he has fought being the owner his father was for a long time, for 25 years. He's gotten out of the way, and he's done a really good job of that. And that's why Bill Polian talks so highly of this place and Chris Ballard and the people that have worked here. But this is, this is, this is, a, different, this is a different stretch here. This is the third straight decision that he's made. Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan's benching, and Jeff Saturday that, that Chris Ballard hasn't made. And say whatever you want about Chris Ballard, the GM should be making those decisions. The GM should be making those decisions, and he's not. And that's just that's just exactly what they haven't wanted to do here for so long. It feels like this is an impulsive decision. Yes, Jeff Saturday feels like an impulsive decision. Zach, you, Zach Kiefer from The Athletic, who joins us on the Payless Liquors Hotline, you are around this as much as anybody. I mean, you and Kevin are, are around and in the inside trenches all the time over there. And I, I mentioned this to Kevin earlier this week. I want you, Zach, I want to give you the opportunity to also react or opine on this or give your, your thoughts on it. I had mentioned, you know, right now, I, I'm finishing taking college classes for the mere fact that I, when I first did a go-round of college 30 years ago, I failed at it. I was not good at it. I, I was too immature. I was too whatever, but I was a failure. And that's haunted me for a long time where I just, for my own personal thing, it, it's it's my white whale that I wanted to complete. Jim Irsay has really only held one job in his life. I don't mean that as a knock. And that was as the general manager of a football team. He worked in different capacities with the organization, but he was a general manager and it did not go well. And it was 30 years ago. And it was a, a tenure where basically as a general manager, he failed. Are we now seeing before our very eyes, understandably so, Jim Irsay trying to recapture his white whale and subconsciously make amends with the things where he fell short? No, I don't think so. And here's why. I, I think it's exactly what you mentioned before I came on the air. I think that he is, is just simply, he's simply not ready to accept the fact that the glory days are not coming back. Like the upper quartile, the top quartile, the upper quartile. Like, Jim, that's fine if you want to say that you're the fourth winningest team since 2000. That's fine. But Peyton's not coming back and Andrew's not coming back and you don't have an answer at quarterback. And the reason you're in the upper quartile of whatever is because you had an unbelievable run and a historic run with Jeff Saturday and Edwin James and Marvin Harrison and Peyton Manning. But trying to recapture that, that's what I think is at the core of this, Jake. Trying to recapture that, to go back to that era, to have all the guys in for the Ring of Honor ceremony and to talk about Edwin and the whole thing and all that. Like, trying to go back to that, I think that is what has got them in so much trouble right now because you're not going to find that. You're not going to find that again. That was a once-in-a-generation run. And, and I think that has led to some impetuousness and some ego, like him up there saying on Monday night that he knows what it takes. Like, Bill Polian built those teams. Bill Polian built those teams, not Jim Irsay. And now Jim Irsay 
is putting his hands in the GM role, and, and that's where it gets messy. I mean, where, where do you guys think this goes next year? Like, is there a lot of optimism about the 2023 season? No matter who the quarterback is, like, this team is going one way, and it's not up right now, and it's hard to see it getting better before it gets worse. And a lot of that goes back to Ursay trying to, trying to go back to what he once had, and I just don't feel like that's coming back. Boy, I couldn't agree more with just kind of the hopeless romantic about that previous era. I mean, that was 13 years ago. I mean, that it's is over. so, so long ago. And like you said, Bill Polina's as GM and Peyton Manning as quarterback are not walking through that door. Um, I'll end with this, Zach. And again, Zach Kiefer from The Athletic. Outstanding coverage from him, Bob Kravitz, James Boyd all week long. Uh, how does Jim Ursay evaluate Jeff Saturday over the next two months? Um, I'm kind of under the impression, Zach, of if Jeff Saturday wants to be here next year, he'll be here. Um, I don't know exactly what role, if it's front office or head coach, but I think if he wants to be here, he could convince Jim Hersey to keep him around. But I was saying earlier to Jake, this is weird. This is an owner hiring a consultant that he has an emotional tie to. That's not typically how businesses operate. So how do you think Jim Hersey can and should evaluate Jeff Saturday? Yeah, it won't be pragmatically, right? Kind of like you just mentioned. It'll be based on emotion, which is what we've seen him make his decisions based on the last several instances. But, look, I mean, like, if you want to see if Jeff Saturday is a good head coach, this is not the situation to do it in. Like, this is unfair. This is unrealistic. Like, and maybe he makes something happen. Like, just, I don't know, the the NFL is weird. They have some talent on this team. Maybe they find it but it's hard for me to see them doing that with this offense that I just watched in Foxborough. Um, I think you're right, KB. I think it just could, could be here next year in some capacity in a lot of different capacities, like a lot of different ones I could see being realistic. I think if this goes well, he could basically name his position. Um, but that's the reality. Like I, I, I feel like there's just no plan moving forward, and it's really hard to see who's going to be making the decisions because Ursi keeps saying that he's not making the decisions when clearly – he is, and so if you're going to let you know Chris Ballard be your GM, then you need to let him be your GM. But also, how do you evaluate a coach who's walking into a season that is, is about to fall apart, really? So um, there's so many questions to answer. I don't even know where to start when this season ends after their game against the Texans in Week 18. Do we have any idea, Zach, what Jeff Saturday is getting paid or how long the terms were that he agreed to? No, we don't. Um, but Jeff Saturday made this very clear yesterday. He's here for eight games, and then it's a TBD. Then it's a we'll see. Um, I don't think Jeff Saturday knows if he wants to be the coach next year. I don't think he knows that 100%. He's admitted that. I think he's here to see, one, he's here because he loves this organization. He loves the guys in the locker room. He loves Jim Mercy. I think that's very obvious. And that's a noble thing. He, he, they, they needed help, and he's here to help. And I think that's, there's something to say about that. But it's very, very up in the air what happens. And, and I think if it goes poorly, I think he'll say, I'm not the right guy, and he'll walk away, hands clean. Um, I don't think it hurts his legacy one bit because of the fire that he was thrown into. But um, I don't know. What do you pay a coach for eight games in this situation? I have no idea. A million bucks? If you know he's going to slide into your front office in some capacity a year later, yeah, probably. And I, 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 I truly believe that Jeff Saturday is here 50% to coach the team and 50% to do a total overall inventory to Jim Ursay of what he's got and what he doesn't. All right. Yeah, I, I think you're right, Jeff. I think he wanted fresh eyes. 
Now, there's a lot of ways to get fresh eyes without firing your coach and hiring a new one. But Jim Irsay does what he wants, and here we are. But I think I think he wants a full evaluation of this organization, top to bottom, from someone who was outside the building in just Saturday, come January 10th. Zach, great work with your guys' coverage on the athletics. Safe travels to Vegas, and um, I guess I'll see you in a bit. All right, thanks, guys. Zach Kiefer right there. On the Pale Suckers Hotline, again, we will talk to the coordinators today. That will be, obviously, Gus Bradley, but it will also be 30-year-old Parks Frazier, um, the play caller on Sunday. Parks has never called plays. He's never been a position coach in college or the NFL. And as Zach pointed out there, Jake, this will be Sam Ellinger's third start, and this will be Sam Ellinger's third different offensive coordinator. That's got to be a record, right? In terms of starts, that's unbelievable. In terms of someone's NFL career, three different coordinators in three different games in your first three starts, that's got to be an NFL record. That's unbelievable. That's, that's hilarious. Be a first time ever. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's quite something. You watch Hard Knocks last night at all, Mark? I I did not. I did not. I actually forgot it was on, uh, but I will I will watch it. I heard I heard there's some interesting stuff in there, and the blank show is about to start because the Cardinals don't look that great. Well, when does uh, Call of Duty? It's is that been one? out. It's been out for a couple weeks now. That's Kyler Murray's big game, right? Yeah. That's why he's always yelling at his teammates on the sidelines. <laughs> Double XP. Come on, I want to get home. I'm trying to think of their personalities. Kyler Murray, J.J. Watt, of course. Oh, DeAndre Hopkins? Hopkins, yeah. Yeah, Hopkins. He's supposedly... Kingsbury. Remember Open DeAndre Hopkins? Buda uh, Baker. By the way, DeAndre Hopkins, my my one area of expertise over Bill Polian. Uh, because I was a Clemson fan, the, the Colts needed a receiver, and I, people were calling in when I was doing an afternoon show here in town, and I'm like, DeAndre Hopkins is the guy they need to get. Like, this guy catches everything. And somebody called in and said, I was watching ESPN yesterday, and Mr. Polian said he's not a first-round talent. Okay. Um, and then apparently he fell in the draft because he allegedly uh, smeared poo all over his hotel room during the combine. Uh, Who hasn't? I, remember I mean, that. come on. He, excuse me? What? I didn't say anything. <laughs> he claimed it was his roommate. That's what you do if you if you if you're maybe that's how he has such good hands. Okay, okay, that's good. That's I mean, he's certainly known for that okay. in his NFL career. Okay, I thought that was. <laughs> Was that urine? Yeah, that's the urine. That's what uh, Moises Alou did. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was going to say Jorge Posada. In his but case, yes, they said you're out. Hmm? I'm just saying. Okay. Uh, do we have a check down to get to? God uh, help us. We have so a pop quiz in five minutes. Thankfully, we have a check down right now. The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Jake, if you don't care about my children's college fun, last night was probably exactly what you wanted from the Pacers. Highly competitive, quality opponent, Halliburton Matherin making plays, good back and forth, good atmosphere, and a loss. That's correct. Nuggets over the Pacers last night, 122-119. A last-second three from Miles Turner that was off the mark that would have forced overtime. No credit to Turner here. I mean, he just to get himself Did that in look position good from your vantage off. point? He, no, he you can tell view. it was a little off. He, it was rushed. They just seemed, at the end of the game, the Pacers got a stop, and they come down, and they had like eight seconds to get down and get themselves a three. And Halliburton, I thought, had a look but passed on it. I think they were trying to find Matherin. You're right. Turner kind of ended up with the ball as the shot was running down, and he did a nice job of just getting himself a look, to mm-hmm. be honest with you. Denver recovered pretty well. I don't know why Jokic shot that 
on the previous possession. Pacers needed to foul there. Uh, Benedict with 30. Pacers 5-6 and six on the year. They've got the Raptors coming up Saturday night. Uh, in college basketball, it is Radford and Notre Dame tonight at 8 o'clock. Bethune-Cookman and Indiana tipping off at 8.30. And last night, Drake 80-48 over IUPUI. The Jags fall to 0-2. Oh, IUPUI, Jake. Oh. I know, poor Jags. Uh, Colts-wise, yesterday, let's actually talk about the injury report because they are going to play a football game. I don't know if you guys heard that Sunday at 4 o'clock in Vegas against the Raiders. Jonathan Taylor back to practice. We'll monitor that. Again, his ankle issues kind of plagued him for about the past month or so. Uh, but good news on that front. Tight end-wise, though, not looking great. Moali Cox, boot on the right foot. Uh, Jelani Woods out with a shoulder injury. They signed a tight end to the practice squad. Uh, so that's a little bit more Sunday-centric. As far as Jeff Saturday-centric, um, he certainly has won the early portions of his introduction as Colts head coach. Here was Saturday yesterday on, uh, I guess, selling himself a bit. I'm completely comfortable in who I am as a man, bro. I know I can lead men. I know I know the game of football, and I'm passionate about it. I have no fear about are you as qualified as somebody else, bro. I spent 14 years in a locker room. I went to the playoffs 12 times. I had... I got five dudes in the Hall of Fame that I play with. You don't think I've seen greatness? You don't think I've seen how people prepare, how they coach, how they GM, how they work? I mean, one Super Bowl's been to two. Like, here's the deal, man. None of us are promised a good job. I may be terrible at this. And after eight games, I'll say, God bless you. I am no good. I may be really good at it. I got no idea. But I dang sure ain't going to back down. I can tell you that. I, I like it. I mean, honestly, I, I, I believe him. I think in the NBA, we've seen it. I mean, in this town, and I realized that Larry Bird was 10 times the player that Jeff Saturday was in their respective sports, but nobody seemed to have a problem with the fact that Larry Bird wasn't qualified, right? When he became a head coach. I feel like we see this a lot more in the NBA than the NFL. 100%. That's why Robert Griffin III said, look, I hope this bucks the trend. I think without question, you're getting a 180 from a personality, energy, leader standpoint. And for a locker room that was reacting to Frank Reich with continued slow starts, continued deficits, poor starts to seasons, you would like to hope that they would react to Jeff Saturday differently. what you need to transition from being a good player to a good coach is a guy that was not a great player based on natural instincts and abilities but rather a guy that had to absolutely fight tooth and nail to take advantage of every inch and corner to get himself and carve himself a career as a player because you need somebody that can relate to the 53rd man on your roster not somebody who only can relate to your top quartile of top quartile that's a great point and he is that guy. And for those wanting some more fire on the sidelines, you know he's got that because we've got the video and audio of him and Peyton Manning going <laughs> That's right. Sir, and in all seriousness, I think that fact that he can challenge the top, I mean, to your point, Jake, undrafted free agent that was, where was he working? Like Sherwin-Williams? Correct. And then all of a sudden, boom, the Ravens sign him and comes to the Colts and the rest is history. So he started, now I feel like we're really on the Drake, he started from the bottom and now... He now rose to a Kevin, answer, caliber player. Answer this for me right now. I have my own answer, but people keep asking, so we might as well just ask it right now. What are the odds that Peyton Manning comes back here and works for the organization? Until Jim Mercer is willing to hand some ownership stake over, I would say minimal. I mean, I think like zero to one percent. Yeah. Yeah. 
and I think another thing you got to think about, Jake, if Peyton Manning, so Peyton Manning would be above Jeff Saturday. Is that how you would envision this hypothetical? Yes. Well, Peyton Manning ain't coming back to work underneath Jeff Saturday. So that means at one point Peyton Manning would have to fire Jeff Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, I think you got to think about that too. Part of why Jeff Saturday's here is because Jim Mercer would love to have Peyton Manning, but he knows he can't get him. Yeah. All right, pop quiz time, 317-239-10. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. 70 Jiffy Lube oil change up for grabs. Have you studied? Can you handle the pressure? Sharpen your pencils. It's time for the Pop Quiz with Kevin and Query. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube, Indiana's favorite oil change since 1985. Now, can you imagine if the Pop Quiz participant is Mitch? Oh, boy. I'd walk out. <laughs> so I'm looking this up. IU plays um, Bethune-Cookman tonight. Big Ten Network 830. Bethune-Cookman's head coach is Reggie Theus. Really? Great player. You think that's why they schedule him? Like a Mike Woodson relationship? That's probably a safe bet. I mean, a lot of those... Although, I don't know, though. That that schedule was probably made like five years ago, right? Oh, I feel like with college basketball, they do it a little bit more within the, within the calendar. I thought Reggie Theus was... I know he played at New Mexico State. I, I feel like he was there at one point, right? Yeah. He took him to the tournament, I think. What show, wasn't he an actor? Yeah, he was in... Uh, boy, what was the show he was on? Uh, like a Saturday morning. Yeah, like, I, like I watched it. I Reggie like, Theus, like where a he Saved by the Bell type. Show. That's exactly yeah. right. It was that kind of a show. It, wasn't there another show that? Um, who was the actor or not the actor? One of the um, was Golick on a show. Who am I thinking Bob of? Golick. Dick Buckus was back in the day. Okay, hold on. Buckus. Hold on. Before, okay, Bob Golick was on what? He was on a show, right? Bob Golick. We're everywhere right now. I know. Let's let's take these one. Alex Karras was on Webster. Reggie Theus was on what? I'm looking Mark? it up. It's not showing me anything really. This will take me two seconds. I said Bob Reggie Theus was, TV show and nothing popped up. Bob really? Golick was saved by the bell. Uh, yeah, Bob Golick. Like, didn't he become like the principal or something? No, well, that was Mr. Belding. Well, no. Hey, hey, hey! What is going on here? No, he he was like a the dean Parkers? or something. Late. Is that what you're talking about? 
What's the hang Reggie time? Th- hang, hang time. time was the show with Reggie Theus. It came up when I put Reggie Theus TV show instantly. What are you? What are you working on Reggie over there? Reggie Theus. Oh, I you got show. I didn't dial up internet. Show. What are you doing? No, I've got the same internet you do. <laughs> Nothing like Jake, the technology expert. That's over right. Here, the guy who gets locked in the elevator on a oh, daily basis. Oh, by the way, basis. Dick Buckus was in it with him. Reggie Theus and Dick was? Buckus were in Hang Time together. Yes. It had a successful run from 1995 to 1995. That's a solid run. Actually, 1995 to 2000. All right. Speaking of solid runs, we got to try to get this show back on one. Um, what number are we going with, Kev? Uh, we're going to go with one. Let's go fast fingers. Josh. What is happening, yeah, Josh? Hey, how are you guys doing? Josh, how fun? are you? I'm doing all right, and Golik was on the college years. College years, <laughs> that's right. Josh, mm-hmm. are you a fan? It, were you a fan of Tiffany Amber Thiessen, uh, Lisa yes, Turtle? Which one? I am. Huh? Tiffany Amber Thiessen. That's your girl. Oh yeah. She hosts like some. Woo! She hosts like some internet analysis show on VH1 now, right? I, I don't watch VH1. All I know is Josh is excited. We got Josh excited. And what? That, uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Hey, excited. I, I got a question for you. For which one? Jake, can I ask you a question? Yes, sir. I've been to 36 Indy 500s. Okay. Am I allowed to say that I've been to 36 in a row since the COVID year happened? Excellent question. And here is the best way that I would tell you to answer that from now on you ready yes mm-hmm. you have been to every may indianapolis 500 for the last 36 years there we go just say you've been to everyone but yes you are allowed to say that josh where do you sit josh uh just exit turn one right where they hit the wall boy that's a that's a nice view <laughs> you know josh i, I will know, tell I, you I this saw, i saw dixon go flying when he went over that left rear and went flying and then elio went underneath that was that was just crazy. I was right in front Dixon of you, I guess, right? away from that. Josh, I will tell you, as somebody who, and I realize that, that I'm, I'm very fortunate in this regard, so I don't want it to sound like I'm not grateful for it, but as somebody that was at that Indianapolis 500 in August during the COVID year, um, mm-hmm. because you and 250,000 of your closest friends were not there, it was not the same in any way, shape, or form, and it did not feel like I was at the Indy 500. So, yes, you were at the last 36 real Indy 500s. I'll take that. There you I'll go. I'll take that. All right, Josh. Um, thank you for calling, and good luck on today's pop quiz. Jake, you want to throw one at him? All right, here we go, Josh. Question number one for you. The Pacers last night lost 122-119 to the Denver Nuggets, but who was the leading scorer in the game? Was it Nikola Jokic, Tyrese Halliburton, Benedict Matherin and his 30 points, or Aaron Gordon? Uh, Matherin. They okay. covered the spread. They did. They did cover the spread. I needed them to win 30, though, Josh. Uh, IU takes on Bethune-Cookman tonight at Assembly Hall. The Hoosiers are ranked 13th uh, in the preseason AP Top 25. Two other Big Ten schools are in the Top 25. They both border the state of Indiana. Name one of the two. Uh, Ohio State or Michigan? Uh, Michigan. Michigan. Josh, when you go to the race, do you happen to bring a pair of headsets to listen to the race while you're in attendance? No, I used to I used to work in IndyCar. I got over the headsets. You know, you should you should 
contemplate doing that again. I think it accentuates your 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 experience by listening to the radio broadcast of the Indy 500. I'm just kidding. Okay, question number three. What did you do for IndyCar, Josh? Uh, I worked for Firestone. We, we balanced. Yeah, that's cool. Tires. Yeah, those, those guys and gals do a great job. All right, question number three. Name the basketball team from the Atlantic Sun Conference that knocked off the Louisville Cardinals last night, 67-66 at the KFC Yum Center. It's the first time in 13 tries that they have defeated Louisville. Was it Eastern Kentucky, Bellarmine, Stetson, or Austin P? Uh, I think this school local bragging rights, right? Yeah, this school yeah, might no be idea. in Louisville. So, What's that? Uh, my answer is C, whoever that is. Stetson? Stetson? The Mad Hatters? Panthers host the Falcons tonight, Josh, on Thursday Night Football. The Falcons lead the all-time series 35-20. to Where did the first game between the Panthers and Falcons take place? Clemson Memorial Stadium, Erickson Stadium, Fulton County Stadium, or the Georgia Dome? Uh, Georgia Dome. And take the Falcons. That is the easiest bet. Uh, minus two and a half on the road? Mm-hmm. All day. Even Mariota. By the way, Josh, it's one eight hundred nine with it is the telephone number. Uh, <laughs> Better okay. GM, Josh. Please. Thank you. <laughs> that's right. Uh, be sure to use DraftKings if you're going to do that. Or Fanduel. That's Whatever right. Yeah. Uh, all right. Question number five for you, Josh. On this day in 1991, Cleveland Brown quarterback Bernie Kosar had his record streak of consecutive pass attempts without an interception come to an end at 308. Who currently holds the record for most pass attempts in a row without an interception? Is it Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, or Patrick Mahomes? Not Mahomes. In the last year, this dude's turned really weird. Packers suck! This guy threw a couple Uh, picks on Sunday. Rodgers. Okay, Aaron Rodgers. Mark, you kind of spoon-fed him that one. That's a little unlike you. I mean, he's not five for five. (laughs) Uh, Question number one. In fact, last night with 30, 19 of them came in the first half. 23, actually, in the first half, I think it was. Benedict Matherin. Let's go! He had, was 18 in a four-minute stretch? Yeah, he... I mean, it was... He had a couple threes there. I'm like, oh, this dude's hot. Lightning in a bottle. Big uh, question 10, two. top 25 for men's basketball. Indiana, 13. The other Big Ten schools would be Michigan at 22, which he said. Yeah. Illinois at 23. Question number three. Last night, 67-66. It was Bellarmine that, that upset Louisville. Now, he went with Stetson, Mark. Get with the program here. No. He went with the Hatters, but he forgot to put on his thinking cap. In my opinion, that sucked. The Georgia Dome was correct, and Aaron Rodgers you was correct. Was it more audio for you, Mark, or for... That's for his you don't company. get to come back tomorrow. <laughs> you don't even get a lot of nine o'clock hours with day. 16 minutes till Mitch gets here, by the way. loser. <laughs> Super excited. I just came up on my phone. Look, I just got the alert. Do we, Reminded me. Do we agree with Josh on the Falcons tonight? Yes. Panthers are a mess. Falcons have actually been competent, right? Marcus Mariota's played halfway decent. You know, coming into the year, I was all about uh, sign Mariota for a one-year deal and draft a quarterback. You know what? James Conner, our co-worker, agrees with you. I saw him in the hallway the other day, and he goes, you know what? We'd have been better off just getting Mariota. I mean, People hated that idea. People hate Mariota. Why? He's like a nice guy. I right? feel like I, I think Colts fans hate him because like or they just felt like the Colts owned Tennessee when he was the quarterback there, which is probably accurate. Didn't Andrew Luck never lose to the Titans? Wasn't he eleven zero? Mariota won the Heisman, right? 
I feel like he did. Did they lose to Auburn in the national title? Or did Cam Newton win it? Or did Jameis win it? I thought Jameis won it. I think... He was the number two pick to Jameis. I know that. I'm going to bet you that... Mariota did win the Heisman. I thought... Did Jameis win it too? Jameis stole crab legs. I know that. I know this. At one point, the state of Hawaii had the Heisman Trophy winner, the highest selling Grammy Award winner, and the President of the United States, like all from the same high school at the same time. And they have Oprah. Bruno Mars, Marcus Mariota, and Barack and Barack Obama. What's that? They have Oprah and Manti Teo. Oprah lives in... Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Why? Oh, he's got like a compound out there. Really? I thought she lived in uh, Cherylville, Indiana. Cherylville? Jim Neighbors lived in Hawaii. Win one for the Gipper anniversary of that today. Today's also the anniversary, as I said, of the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. We're spraying all fields right now. We got We're all over the talk. map. We we'll Mitch. educate and entertain one final time <laughs> here coming Fitzgerald. up. Mitch. I've always wondered this. Billy Idol. His real name or stage name? Stage. Mark? Stage name, I would say. I mean, you would have to think, right? I'm looking it up as we speak. I like Billy Idol. Yes, that is 100% not his real name. William Michael Albert Broad. <laughs> Broad? Yeah, B-R-O-A-D. Yeah, pretty close to it. I mean, the name, Idol I part, I guess, was obvious, but Billy, I guess, was more like, you know what I mean? He, he definitely looks like a Billy. I saw yesterday um, somebody came out with kind of like a mock look at what the college football playoff would look like. If it was instituted for this year. So 12 teams. Obviously, we still got three weeks to go in the regular season. But how about some of these first-round matchups you'd be getting? So your first four teams get a bye. Georgia, Ohio State, TCU, um, and Oregon, which I guess you got to be conference champs, right? That's why those four would get byes. You'd have USC hosting Alabama. Okay. This one I love. Michigan hosting Tulane. Wow. Isn't that like the dream of like the non-power, you know, the so Coastal who does Carolina? Tennessee hosting Ole Miss, which whatever, a couple SEC teams. LSU hosting Clemson. Yeah, like, think something. about those matchups, though. USC, Bama, LSU, Clemson. Huge, yeah. Well, I mean... Hell, Kevin, Tulane, Michigan would probably get as good a numbers as anybody, right? Exactly. And Michigan obviously would never... No one is scheduling the Boise State, Coastal Carolina, Appalachian State, you know, insert the best power, non-Power 5 team. But with the college football playoff, you would get that. So Michigan would have to host Tulane. Um, That's awesome. I mean, that would be, it'd be fun for sure. It'd be crazy. Now, in a, if you did that, if you went to a 12-team, you know, the one complaint that I you would hear is that somebody would be, 
I can't believe they didn't get in. They were 13th and they were they're better than 10th. I mean, there's always going to be a debate. However, Kevin, let's say they did six straight years of exactly that, a 12-team tournament. How many of those six would want would the the number one or two team end up winning in anyway? Without question, but I would love it for honestly that quarterfinal weekend. Just that you get those matchups. And again, you get them on on campus. I mean, we saw it last weekend, whether it was the storming of the field in South Bend, the storming of the field in LSU. You get the on-campus feel. I feel this way about the IU-Kentucky series. I understand that probably, you know, Rupp or or the Yum Center or Gamebridge Fieldhouse will probably be some of the locations for that. But just getting the on-campus atmospheres, I think college sports has got to make sure with NIL and guys going pro – You've got to create those atmospheres that you just can't replicate in professional sports. Great atmosphere last night in Gamebridge Fieldhouse. But Isaiah Jackson will probably be the first one to tell you that it wasn't necessarily like a Kentucky-Louisville atmosphere. My sports hot take hill that I will die on, Kentucky fans who are always like, see, at Kentucky, we don't storm the court because we've been there before. Like, Kentucky's like real, like, snub their nose at anybody that storms the court. And I've been to a game at Rupp Arena. Thank you, Tom Spaulding, and it was a great experience, and and I got a great respect for the history and the passion of Kentucky basketball. But Rupp Arena is like a civic, a big civic arena with very little intimacy about it. Where it's an NBA the arena, students, it is, and nobody's close enough to the floor a to even rush it if they wanted to, and b Kentucky throws shade at schools that have on-campus arenas that rush the floor because they are dying in envy to just once be able to do it, except for that they themselves created this mantra that they can't. And they'd love to. They're so jealous about it. They'd love to. Colts just gave the practice squad scissors to Philip Lindsay. Uh, they've signed Jake Funk, a running back. If I'm that was not- my nickname in college. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, I believe Philip Lindsay. They uh, he had exhausted his three practice squad times. When you so. come in here and I'm wearing a hat, you th- say to yourself, "What is that? That's just the Jake Funk from the morning, right?" Usually, because you say you don't shower, so that's that's what I get. <laughs> that's right. Friday picks coming at you tomorrow. Jake's off to meet Mitch. We'll talk that's to right. you 7 a.m. tomorrow. We'll Everybody let you know who Mitch day. is.